Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, welcome everyone to the debut episode of The Spotlight. I am Jeremy Lambert, and here with me, the great Steven Jensen. Jensen, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited to do this show. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. we got a lot of good stuff to talk about, and uh, I'm happy for this debut episode. And I, I, I'm happy that we've got people in the chat, and I hope you all enjoy this as well. Uh, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So, uh, so I'm, doing, I'm doing great today, man. How about you? I, I am well. I see Chris Frazier's in the chat. He says he's at the show last night, uh, AEW Dynamite. I was there as well, and we will we will talk about that here shortly. Before that, guys, you can leave a super chat here on YouTube. Leave a leave a super chat. Get your question, comment, statement read on air. You can leave a Humper chat at humperchat.com. It might be humperchats.com, uh, but you can leave leave a Humper chat as well. So the premiere episode here on the spotlight for those who may not know do know what more information as i think people do know is we used to do the distraction every thursdays at, at three o'clock that has uh, unfortunately ended and i needed something new to do with my thursdays and so what i decided to do was a show called the spotlight where i wanted to touch on topics ranging from wwe all the way to to the indie to to the independence because I don't think we we cover enough of that stuff here on the main Fightful channel. Uh, so I wanted to touch on kind of like Impact, New Japan, things like that. Because a lot of the shows that are on this channel, it is WWE recaps, AEW recaps, and things like that. And I wanted to to spotlight uh, other other promotions and and try to try to try to get them more, more pub and also for for myself selfishly learn about uh, more of those promotions and like really really focus in and keep up with them. I also wanted to spotlight creators, uh, different people in wrestling media, dif different people, wrestlers as we'll announce later on, but, but different people who maybe you haven't heard of, maybe you have heard of, but don't know enough about and, and learn more about them and what they do in the, the wrestling content creation space. Um, and Steven Jensen was my first 
choice to do this show because you watch literally everything. You have the weekender on on Fightful Select where you talk about all the independents and all the companies that are not covered as much uh, on the main channel. And so I reached out to you. We, we set it all up. And here we are. But that is the rundown of, of what this show is all about. We will talk about WWE. We will talk about AEW. We'll talk about other. And, and other is going to be things like Impact, New Japan, MLW, NWA. And we'll talk about the, the independents as well. And we will take one item from each of those categories, one item each, and we will focus in on that. So it's not going to be, hey, let's recap this match. Let's Let's recap this segment things like that. We're just going to focus in on one thing from each of those categories and have a discussion about that. And Jensen, I'm very excited to to start this venture with you. And again, you're my first choice on this because you watch everything and you're going to make me smarter when it comes to a lot of this stuff. Well, and you're going to keep me in the loop on the WWE because that's like the one thing that I don't really cover on the weekender. And I, I not, not a, well, I watch AEW religiously, so I'm, I'm up, up on loop on all that, but yeah, I'm happy that we get to kind of spotlight some more of the people and the the companies that I talk about on the Weekender because uh, there's so much damn good wrestling out there right now. Like, it's a real a la carte situation. Like, whatever you like in wrestling, it's available. And, and it's so accessible between Fight TV and IWTV and all these other streaming services and stuff. Like, I, you know, and so that that's, I'm just really excited about that. Like, and, and I'm happy to talk to you about this stuff because, I mean, me and you are like the same age. We've been watching wrestling like the same amount of time. Like we have a we have a lot of uh, probably similar. Well, I know for sure because we know each other for a while. We're, we <laughs> we have a similar taste in humor and stuff like that. So like it's gonna be this is gonna be a whole lot of fun. And and me and Jeremy, we were talking about it yesterday or the other day. We were talking about how um, we haven't done a whole lot of shows with just the two of us. It's always been like a third or a fourth or like a group type thing. And we were like this is going to be fun. Cause like, we don't, we haven't really done a whole lot of just stuff with just me and you. So like this, this is going to be a really, really fun show. I think for everybody that's watching. I'm excited for it. I, I think it links in well with the, the new Fightful Overbook channel. Everybody can go to youtube.com slash Fightful Overbooked. I think it links in, uh, links in well with the, the weekender that you do on Fightful Select. So I'm real excited for the, for the new venture here. Uh, guys, please. It is not the distraction uh, that, that is, that is a moment in time that maybe uh, we will get back together like outcast, but it, it's not that I hope everybody is tries not to, to make too many comparisons and things like that. And, and much love to, to all the, to Joseph and, and those guys doing, doing their thing over there. JJ sends a super chat. He says, hello to my favorite big star and King of the Indies watcher, Steven Jensen. Hope you're doing well. Tonight's impact show looks wild. And I love it. See JJ, you want more impact talk and we're now going to give you more impact talk. So you you should keep giving us all of your money, JJ. And we appreciate you, JJ, for everything that you do. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, JJ. And that's a big part of this, too. Impact Wrestling, they get buzz. You know, me and Denise do the post shows for the uh, for the big four pay-per-views. And they seem to get buzz about four times a year. But if you're an Impact fan, I'm sure you want to hear more people discussing the show. Because they have a consistently good show. It's just a show that a lot of people just kind of, like, tune in and out of in waves. So... Yeah, this is going to be great for people who like Impact Wrestling. And I also want to shout out real quick, like, nothing but love for Joseph. Like, obviously, I'm a very good friend of his. And, and I don't want anybody watching this to think that, like, uh, this is a different show and everything. But I don't want people thinking I'm, like, replacing him. That's not that's not my goal. That's not anything like that. Like, I just want people to know, like, I am Team Joseph Holbert. Like, I'm uh, I'm his friend. I hope nothing but the best for him. And I want to see him back. You know what I mean? Like, I, 
I'm, I, I love that dude. So I just want to put that out there too. This is nothing like me taking a spot or nothing malicious or anything like that. So just want, want y'all to know I, I have, I come from a good place uh, joining Jeremy in the show. Yes, there, there was never, we, we had to do a different show. The distraction is Joseph and I, that, that yeah. is always what it'll be. I wanted to, I had to do something that was a little bit different from that to try and differ, differentiate a lot of that stuff. But Joseph is the best and, and will forever be uh, my, my partner in life and uh, in, in podcasting in many ways. All right, Jensen, let's, let's get into this. We're going to start with WWE and my WWE spotlight this week is Ronda Rousey. The news that WWE is pushing for her to return. Uh, it seems like she could be back at the Rumble. She made her debut at the Rumble a few years ago. That led to her Raw Women's title run. She has not been seen since WrestleMania 35 when she lost the, the triple threat match. I don't know if Ronda Rousey is going to be back. Hasn't been con- like super double confirmed or anything like that. A lot of people in the know seem to think like it's more likely than not. Where are you at on on Ronda Rousey returning to WWE? Um, I think that she should. I mean, if she wants to, you know, like I I think that she's been out of the spotlight for a while. The spotlight, go go figure. <laughs> um, but I uh, like because I've been saying this too ever since Juliana Pena recently won the the bantamweight championship from Amanda Nunez in the UFC. I was thinking like maybe Ronda will get back in MMA because like she might match up better against Pena than she did against Nunez and stuff like, and I, I feel like we just haven't seen or heard from her, from her really in so long, but I felt like a return in either MMA and or pro wrestling was probably going to happen at some point in the near future, it, unless she likes being retired and she just doesn't want to be a part of it anymore, which is totally fine as well. But my thing is this, if she does return to the WWE and she does enter the Royal Rumble, she will win that match. Like it is a 100% foregone double stamp conclusion. Like I, I am, I am firm in the idea that if Ronda Rousey is there, she will win that Royal Rumble match, and and she'll she'll probably wrestle Becky one on one at WrestleMania. Is what I'm thinking. See, that's where everybody. I'm with you that if she enters that thing, she ain't losing it. But everybody seems to go to to her and Becky, and that makes the most sense. And we know in WWE, they don't always make the most sense. When I did the show with Sean yesterday, he threw out the possibility of Ronda and Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, man, they are going to do that, aren't they? They're going to do Ronda and Charlotte at WrestleMania, and then they can still do Becky and Bianca. And my kind of pitch idea was they do those two matches. Ronda wins. Bianca actually beats Bianca actually beat or Becky because she needs to get that win back. That SummerSlam thing was god-awful. Uh, and they need to, to rehab Bianca to and get her that moment at WrestleMania. So Bianca beats Becky, and then next night on Raw, whenever you want to do it, Ronda comes out, does her promo and everything, and then the man, Becky Lynch, returns to confront Ronda. And we, we do away with the big-time Bex, and we bring back the man, because let's be honest, they ain't cheering Ronda Rousey over Becky Lynch if, if they do a program. They're just not. Becky can try to do her heel stuff. She's having a hard time getting people to boo her against Liv Morgan and Bianca Belair. And people like actually like Liv Morgan and Bianca Belair. They ain't booing her against Ronda Rousey, who wrestling fans don't totally like, especially with her comments that she's made since leaving. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because I I did of course think of the idea of Charlotte and Ronda as well, which I love that too. I mean, I I love Charlotte. I know she's divisive, and people like people either love her or hate the, her. And the one Charlotte fan hashtag bow down everybody. Yeah, I I I, I love her. You know, I, I think she's great. But um, see, this is where I 
part of me too thinks because I I don't know if they're going with Bianca like to be the main event or in the title match at WrestleMania again. I just I just don't know if that's where they're heading or not. But what I do know is Lita's in that match too, the Royal Rumble. And I feel like if they have access to her through WrestleMania, she'll get a big spot in a women's title match too, I think. So I was kind of defaulting to thinking Ronda wins the Royal Rumble. She wrestles Becky one-on-one and there's some sort of elimination or confrontation between Becky or sorry, Lita and Charlotte. And maybe that's the other women's title matches, Lita and Charlotte one-on-one because they did Charlotte and Trish. And now they got a chance of doing Charlotte and Lita, which would also continue. And it's also on brand for Charlotte being the queen and kind of like beating all of like the former goats of like women's wrestling and, and, and keep winning titles and stuff. Cause at a certain point too, like winning titles, like that's cool and all. And I get that's like her gimmick is like to always be the champion or always be in the title match and that kind of stuff. But it also gets really repetitive. And I think that's why a lot of fans have kind of soured on her. Cause it's like, she's just always in the title mix. She's always wins the title and it feels like it's holding other people down. But I think it'd be really exciting and something interesting and different if it's like, well, it's her versus Lita. We've never seen that before. And that could be a really damn good match for the title. So, Yeah, Charlotte and Lita, they they had the segment on SmackDown. Charlotte and Mickie James has talked about one, wanting to work with Charlotte. You're right that Charlotte can only win the title uh, a million times before it gets old. I think everybody knows that it's gotten old. Uh, so going after Legends makes some sense. Man, when Sean mentioned that Rousey and Charlotte match, and that's the thing that they might want to do, that's such a WWE thing. They'll just do it. Like they got Becky and and Ronda right there, just waiting for them. Becky's already kind of promoting it. It's like, eh, instead of the match you want, the match you've never seen, let's do Charlotte and and Ronda because they had the Survivor Series match and that was really good. And then of course they inserted Charlotte into WrestleMania. That's just, it's such a WWE thing just to do that match. Well, as, it, as long it, well, as as long as Bianca gets her moment against Becky like as long as they do that because if if Ronda wins and they do do the Becky match and Ronda beats Becky at Mania and Bianca just she has that SummerSlam loss and it's just all right you're feuding with whoever now Natalia now that ain't gonna look good that is not gonna look good I I agree 100% I just don't put it past the WWE that that's what they'll do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, especially because I think plans change when you have people like Ronda Rousey available and people like Lita available. Um, that's nothing against Bianca Blair, obviously. I think she should, like, I'm team, like, push Bianca and push the new talent. But I'm just saying from, like, WWE's perspective, they're the same company that will constantly go back to Brock Lesnar any chance that they yes. get. Like, you know, and, and I think they do the same with Ronda. And unfortunately, I mean, this is the sad truth of it. The WWE hasn't created any stars outside of Roman Reigns. And that's still a marginal comparison in comparison to like John Cena and, and even Brock Lesnar. And of course, like the rock and Austin and Hogan and all them. So they're in this weird position where like, even though Ronda Rousey has been gone for years, she's still more quote unquote famous than everyone else. The WWE has currently on like their, their regular roster. So that that's just kind of where I, I and another thing is too, if if you can get Ronda's commitment, even for like WrestleMania, SummerSlam, some of like the bigger shows, you can still have Ronda versus Becky, Ronda versus Charlotte, right? You can still do all the Ronda dream matches at like the big pay-per-views if, if she's gonna be around for a minute. Um, but yeah, I just I just totally see the WWE doing something like that where where Bianca just gets totally boxed out. And the fan base isn't gonna be happy about it, but I just 
I mean, when does that stop the WWE from doing stuff the fans was unpopular with the fans? You know what I mean? Like they do it all the time. So we will see what happens if Ronda Rousey is going to be there. And if she is, both Jensen and I believe that she she's winning this thing. She's gonna come out, she's gonna win, she's gonna point to the fucking sign, she's gonna sue, she's gonna sue us again uh for for the shirt and <laughs> Uh, that'll be that. Do you know the story? I remember the shirt, and I, I didn't. I didn't. Did she actually do anything about that for real? I I know there was a. I'm pretty sure there was like a cease and desist with with that shirt because uh, her team wasn't wasn't too happy with that thing. So yeah, she she's gonna she's gonna sue us again, and and that'll be that. Maybe honestly, maybe Charlotte will win the rumble, and then we get Ronda coming out and pointing to the sign, and that's how they just set up Charlotte and Rhonda and they just completely ignore Becky and then Becky will somebody even mentioned in the chat that Bianca goes on elimination chamber run like Shayna does and maybe that's how they get to, to Becky and Bianca if we see Rhonda though she's got to do the sign point she she just has to well and what she just described is exactly what they did when Oscar won the women's yeah. Royal Rumble match and Becky or no, Charlotte came out or sorry um Rhonda came out and like you know, once again, WWE, like they could totally just do the same thing again and be like, yeah, y'all, y'all remember that happening a couple years ago. Like what's, this is new, you know? Um, we do remember how, don't think it's just funny. They're like, ha ha ha, look what we've done. We've just done this, the same thing. It's a callback, everybody. Everyone remembered this and it got a lot of buzz and everything. That's what they, they love doing that stuff. They, they love making it seem like they know what they're doing by playing off of the history, but they had real, no real intention of actually doing that. And, and that's just where they go with things. So I, yeah. I imagine that's how I mean, they're going to do it. Let me put it this way. When, when, if people have like this, this real, I'm, I'm once again, I'm not saying this will or won't happen. I'm just saying like Bianca being a good example. If people like really married to the married to the idea of like Bianca, like it's all going to play out. Like Bianca got smoked by Becky and, but it's okay. Cause like, she'll she'll get it back and she'll get a momentum back y'all remember kofi mania and how fast that just went you know what i mean like Big E, like i feel like he's gonna get boxed out of probably anything big i mean he'll probably i'll do something at wrestlemania but i don't think it'll involve any of the world titles like you know what i mean that was like he was their champion a few weeks ago so (laughs) they're, they're very quick to just be like well no see ya like we know we know everyone's super behind this wrestler and everyone wants to see them succeed but Ronda's more famous. Sorry. Brock's more famous. Sorry. You know, it's just kind of with the business they're in right now, I feel like. So Jensen and mentioning Big E, I know that ties into your spotlight for, for WWE. What do you have when it comes to WWE? My spotlight for WWE, because the Royal Rumble is this weekend. And as down as I can get on the WWE, I do get very, very excited for the Royal Rumble um, every year. It's a lot of fun. I do the the Royal Rumble squares and stuff where, you know, you, you get a number like the Super Bowl and, you know, you try to win, try to have a good time winning money. I'm on WrestleRumble.com, you know, doing doing the games over there. I'll have a couple of my friends over who don't even really watch wrestling that often. Like they get excited because it's the Royal Rumble and we used to watch it when we were kids and teenagers and stuff and like. So I'm very excited for the Royal Rumble. And when I was thinking about it, I was like, there's really no clear, no real clear winner for the men's Royal Rumble match. And I think a lot of that has to do with Brock having a title right now and Roman having a title right now and everyone expecting Brock versus Roman title versus title at Mania. But a lot could happen between now and then. And so my spotlight is the men's Royal Rumble match. Like, I'll, I'll get to, to my prediction here in a second, but I want to hear your thoughts. Like, 
who do you think wins the men's Royal Rumble match and which title do they challenge for? Like, what makes the most sense to you right now? I think Brock wins the men's Royal Rumble match. I think he loses to Lashley. Maybe you get Uso interference. I don't know how they do it. They'll do it in a way where Brock is obviously heavily, heavily, heavily protected, but they can do it. And Lashley's been booked like a badass. He is a badass. So it won't hurt Brock too much, especially if he does win the Rumble and goes on to the throne Roman, which is kind of where I see this all headed. Uh, I think Brock ends up getting in this match after losing to Lashley and, and he ends up winning it because I'm with you. There ain't a real clear cut winner because it seems like they're headed towards Brock and Roman and if you do that, you got to take the title off of one of them or one of them has to, to win this thing or the, the Rumble winner challenges for the tag team title. Maybe Sheamus wins and he's like, I need that Intercontinental title. I'm challenging for the Intercontinental title. Is that He, he, he joked about that in interviews. But maybe that's what happens. But I, I think Brock ends up winning the Rumble. That's funny because that's actually my prediction also. And I and I don't but I don't know if he necessarily loses to Lashley or not. I think it's possible uh, that he beats Lashley and still wins the Royal Rumble. My like God. like I'm I'm but I, I so here's another thing I had in mind was similar to <clears throat> Vengeance back when uh back when Jericho won the undisputed title for the first time. They had that mini tournament with him, Angle, Austin, and The Rock. And maybe because they have two nights of WrestleMania, they can do something like that where like Roman has to defend a night one against someone and Brock has to defend a night one against someone. And then the two winners wrestle for title versus title at night two, maybe something like that. And that opens it up more to like more people getting some opportunity for WrestleMania. Like in that scenario, I don't know exactly how, how you work all of this, but I, I'm just trying to think like how out of the box they might go with this because you have, you have the two nights of WrestleMania and they, they're definitely going to want a world title match on both nights. But then again, they could just do, like you said, and I've had that in mind as well. Like them just doing like, if anyone's going to beat Brock Lashley is definitely the one who makes the most sense for a lot of reasons. Like, and, and I think in Brock's own mind, cause there's definitely a bit of me an ego to, to Brock, right? Like as, as it should be, like he's, he's only going to, let certain people do certain things to him in that ring to, to kind of keep his own kind of credibility and what he's built for, for himself through the company. So like Lashley, obviously legitimate, badass Bellator fighter, very good Bellator fighter, by the way, people don't realize how good he was in MMA. Uh, he wasn't Brock Lesnar's level level, but like he, he was way better than like uh, Jack Swagger, for instance, like way, way better. Um, but like, so you know, it, it, it's just, I could see, I could see a scenario, but even though like, it's going to take like Roman and the Usos and maybe even like Solo Sokoa or something like the whole bloodline is going to have wow. to get involved. By the way, I started watching Solo Sokoa on like 205 Live and stuff. And I was like, wait, his Uso, like, this is clearly an Uso, right? And like, <laughs> I was like, this, he looks like the third twin and they don't call him Uso, which really confused me. But I mean, if the bloodline gets involved and enough things happen, I think that Brock will be okay losing like one, two, three to Lashley or even getting put in a hurt lock and just getting just passing out from it or something like that. And so I could, I think the most likely scenario is what you laid out. I think Lashley gets the title off Brock. Brock enters the Royal Rumble and wins it. So we get Brock and um, Brock and, and um, Roman for the SmackDown title at Mania. And then you have Lashley as the defending champion against, I guess, whoever wins Elimination Chamber heading into yeah. 
who and I guess maybe that's Big E. Like maybe he gets himself back into that spot through because I don't know who else. Because the, the only other thing I wanted to bring up is like this is a little out of left field, but I could see them doing it. At some point, they're gonna put one of these world titles on Omos. I'm not saying it's a good thing. The guy is very green, but I promise you, he will be the WWE or one of the world champions within the next, I'll say within the next six months, he'll be one of the world champions. So six dude, months, not, you're going dude, six seriously, months dude, they're, they're going to, they're going to pull They're Cause what are, what are they going to do with the guy? He's already done the thing with AJ and now he's just going to beat everybody up. And he's so big that like Vince is just sitting there waiting for his, they put the title on great Khali. Like they're going to put it on Omos 1 billion percent. Like as limited as Omos is, he's he moves around better than Great Khali ever did, and they put the title on him. So like I have no doubt in my mind, Omos is gonna be the champion. So like, do you just have him win the Royal Rumble? Like probably not. But I'm just saying like that's a name to maybe look out for based on. I, I saw him in like another one of those Rumbles or Battle Royals or something recently. He eliminated like everyone in the match for the most part. Yeah, the pizza, like, yeah, the pizza Hut Battle Royal. That's right. So <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Like uh, y'all, y'all be ready. All you WWE fans out there that are letting everything play out. I promise you Omos will be the champion. Some sometime I'll, let, let me re- revise that. Sometime in 2022 he will be the world champion. Okay. A, a year is a little bit 6 months seems insane to me. Like I'm with you. They they have high hopes for this guy and they're going to push him to the moon, but putting the belt on him in 6 months just I don't know. You're you're going to be right about him though. They they <laughs> they clearly love this guy and they're going to put the belt on him probably sooner rather than later. And I could definitely see by the end of the year, six months seems a little bit soon. But I mean, they've done they've done stranger things. My pitch, you, you mentioned Biggie and like yeah, he makes sense to win the Elimination Chamber, face Lashley at Mania. My pitch with Biggie has always been him win the Rumble and him being like, I want both of these titles. Roman, you beat me at Survivor Series. I want to end your run. Brock, you pinned me at day one. You ended my run. I want to end this. Like, winner take all, triple threat match, WrestleMania. They'll never do it. They're clearly not behind Big E like a lot of us are. So they'll never do it. But that that is my pitch. I would make Big E and, like, really actually make him, not just give him a feel-good moment where he had to cash in and beat an injured Lashley and then his title reign sucked and was an afterthought. Uh, I would actually really make this guy and and do that with the Rumble. They won't do it. Brock is my my top pick to, to win this thing. If it's not Brock, if they don't go with that scenario, I've seen people say Kevin Owens, where Seth Rollins ends up beating Roman, and then you do Owens and, and Rollins potentially at WrestleMania. If it's not them, it's it's a tough scenario because we all think it's going Brock and Roman. And so if one is the champion or it, it seems like, or if they're both champions, it's title versus title. If one is the champion, then it seems like the other has to win the Rumble. So I just, I don't know where where they're going with the rumble, which makes it intriguing. Honestly, like I'm very yeah. intrigued by it. I just I just I just don't know where where it's going. Yeah, and I like the unpredictability about it. I don't like going into the Royal Rumble match and having like a clear cut. This person's probably going to win type feeling about it. Um, when speaking of Big E, you know the saddest thing about his whole scenario is he did everything he could outside of the company. Like he was showing up to the major boxing matches and doing the ring intros. He was showing up to college game day. You know, he's a great representative for your company. Like he looks great in a suit. Like he looks like a pro wrestler. He's like this big jacked up dude. Like you see him and you're like, you just know he's an athlete, you know? And it's like, I, I feel like he, they could have just done so much more with him and they've waited so long to pull the trigger. But 
after they did, I think he did everything in his power to be a star that was bigger than just the WWE. Like he was, she was trying to pull on eyes from outside of the company, which is, which is what they want, bringing in more and more fans from, from boxing and other places. And he did all those things. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just, it, it's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with, with this whole thing with, uh, with WrestleMania and, and the Elimination Chamber and going into all this. But like we both said, I, I think Brock Lesnar probably makes the most sense. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's going to be fun. It's, I am going to have a good time watching the show. Omos is going to win now. You've just sold. Omos is just going to eliminate. He's going to eliminate all 29 people. You know, they, they always talk about like, oh, I got to toss 29 people over the top rope. It's like, no, nah, you got to toss like maybe one or two. You got to toss at least one if you want to win it. But like nobody tosses, he's gonna toss all twenty nine, and that's how they're gonna make this guy. He's gonna enter number one, toss everybody out immediately, and it's gonna be whatever the intervals are. That's that's how they're gonna make Omos. That is my official prediction. For this show. Well, Guess, that's the well, thing with, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was I was about to, to wrap up. Go, uh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say the thing about Omos, and the reason I'm so confident about him too, like that they're gonna go all the way with him this year, is because he really doesn't have to do a whole lot. Like as long as he can just like he's not going to take any bumps, and he just has to just look big and just do a few things really well, and everyone else is going to do all the other work. Um, so yeah, we'll 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 see, we'll see. Guys, Royal Rumble is on Saturday. We'll have coverage uh, on Fightful after the show. Uh, myself and Jared Bailey will be doing the post show recap here on youtube.com slash fightful everybody can can check that out we got a super chat from our, our buddy comrade who says super excited for this new show thanks to all at fightful thank you man we appreciate the support we appreciate the love and support um let's move on to aew and i will throw to you on your spotlight because it could have royal rumble implications here with, with what you have yes so my aew spotlight today is it's kind of a double spotlight but it's all about the same person so you know, we'll do it like this. The first thing I wanted to shout out, it's about Cody Rhodes. And the the thing that I want to shout out first is I loved that ladder match with him and Sammy. Um, I thought that was an incredible ladder match last night for the TNT championship. And uh, like, that was the coolest cutter I've seen in my life when Sammy jumped off the ladder to the other ladder and did did that. And and Cody's crossroads, I thought was sweet. And like, that was just an awesome match. Great storytelling. Uh, But, but to really highlight the actual, um spotlight topic after the match he he did a video that was online and a lot of people were talking about and he actually mentioned sean ross app he in- boosted this man's ego who's in the <laughs> chat now singing the lyrics to nelly uh yes he he is he had to he had to like outright outright mention sean sean ross he didn't use sap just sean ross but Jesus, Cody, can we not boost this man's ego any more than it's already? It's already way, way up here. It's already as tall as he is. Can we not do that? <laughs> so, so the 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 topic here is that Cody confirmed Sean's report that he is working on a handshake deal with AEW, and he is not under contract. And I think a big reason why they're doing this, I. I don't actually think that he's going to go to the Royal Rumble. Like, I think it'd be awesome. And that'd be a real hook to get me back to watching the WWE all the time. Like, if Cody was there, I would watch religiously again. Um, because I'm such a Cody fan. But but the thing is, is like, I think that a lot of this was done to, to, to put that seed of doubt in fans' minds. Like, 
Like, he lost the TNT title. He has no contract. The Royal Rumble is this weekend. And it just gets a lot of people talking and speculating about him leaving AEW. And my gut instinct is that he's not leaving AEW. Um, he might maybe do some other stuff, like, outside of AEW. But I don't think he's going to leave AEW completely. This is the feeling I have about it. Um, but if he did want to go back to the WWE, you, like, he's not going to go in and get blindsided. Like, I think a lot of people think, well, if Cody goes back to the WWE, they're going to make him stardust. And he's just going to take the bag and he's not going to like, he'll just do whatever they want him to. And they're not going to push him and they're, they'll actually punish him because he went and he started AEW and all this stuff. It's like, Cody's too smart for that. He's not going to go in there and, and let them blindside him. Like if he, I don't think he's hurting for money. Like, I mean, clearly AEW is doing very well and he's a very big part of that. Uh, could WWE offer him a lot of money? Obviously they could, and maybe he'll take it, but I think he'd take it under some contingencies. Like, I don't, I, I don't think he'd go in there and just, because that's the reason he left in the first place. They were jobbing him out. And he's like, I know I'm better than this. I want to go prove it elsewhere. Um, and now, but also on the flip side, he, when he left the WWE, the big reason he did was because he wanted to raise his value and prove to the WWE that he was a main event level guy. And he's done that now. He's literally created their competition and is one of the top stars there. And if the WB wanted him back, like he has a ton of leverage to come back now and be a main event level guy. Like maybe his life goal is to be the WWE world champion. And like, if they promise him that maybe he'll come back. So I think that's a, that's kind of the topic is Cody being a free agent, him legitimately not working with a contract and all the speculation about like, what does he do next? Does he leave AEW? Does he show up the Royal rumble? What do you think? I don't think he shows up at the Royal rumble. Um, I think this whole thing is part of this angle that they are doing. I, I, I truly believe that he he doesn't have a contract and everything right now, right. but I think he's going to continue to appear on television. I don't think he's going anywhere at all. I, I think it is part of this angle. It's a little strange to me because you're basically speculating if he's going to show up on your competition show, which makes you want to tune in more right. to the competition. Which I know like uh, there's a lot of crossover between WWE and, and AEW, uh, but a lot of the hardcore AEW fans, they they don't always watch a lot of WWE. And now they might actually be intrigued to watch at least the Rumble being like, hey, like, is Cody going to show up? I do think Cody will kind of show up elsewhere. Like he could certainly he could walk right into the NWA. All this has talked about wanting that match a million times. He could walk right into Impact. Uh, I know there's a little, little history there, um, but I, I think he might show up elsewhere and do some to do some indie stuff i don't think he's showing up to wwe i will say this now might be the time for him to show up in wwe because we know he likes to like dig and needle at uh one triple h and uh that man's getting pushed aside in, in a lot of aspects right now and if cody comes in and Cody is the one that lifts that promotion, and he can have that over Triple H, maybe that's the motivation for Cody. Honestly, he's like, you know what? You failed with NXT. You, We kicked the shit out of you. We kicked you off a of Wednesday night. You completely failed at this promotion. I'm going to come in, and I'm just going to take your spot. I'm going to be the son that Vince never truly had. Even though he's got Shane. I'm going to be that person for him. Maybe this is Cody. Maybe that's his whole motivation to do this whole thing. And he does go to WWE. And he is going to be Vince's favorite son, Cody Rhodes. That's funny you say that, too. Because, like, I, I remember years ago when Cody left the WWE, a big talking point that he that he had was in, like, interviews and stuff. He talked about 
how in NXT guys like Kevin Owens and, and others in NXT were getting called Dusty's kids. All these people that Dusty was bringing up, all, all the all the, the female talent that was going through NXT, they were all Dusty's kids. The four horsewomen were Dusty's kids, all this stuff. And Cody's like, you have Dusty's actual kid and you're dressing me up like a space clown. Yeah. Like, you know, like, but now he can come back and be like, I'm Vince's kid. I'm more Vince's kid than, than Vince's kids are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how wild of a story would that be? Jeez. He comes back and just smokes Austin Theory. He's like, get out of here, bro. Like, me and Vince have business to, to take care of. Oh, man. A Cody and Vince segments and Cody and Vince relationship. That'd be tremendous television. I would love Co- I would love that shit. Cody's always been, like, he's always felt like more of a WWE guy than, than an AEW person. I think it kind of shows in, in the, the stuff that he does on television. Because he he's, he was very, he's very much old school in his thinking compared to the other uh, EVPs that are you know they like to do their their bits and peel back the curtain a little bit more and, and things like that. Uh, Cody is is much more protective of that stuff in, in certain ways, um, but he always felt like the theatrical over the top kind of wrestler that WWE loves. Whereas you know the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega they like to just go in there and they like to do their moves and they do it do excellent there. Look, they're some of the best wrestlers in the world. Cody has always been more of a, hey, let's let's do a big sports entertainment style presentation. And that's been the knock on Cody with AEW fans, right? It's like, all right, Cody, we, we get it. You like your big entrance and your big production and all your pyro and all this stuff. Like, we just want to see cool matches and things like that. We don't need all that stuff, Cody. So him going back to WWE and proving and like trying to take out AEW with, with his way. Dude, it's that's a good fucking story. I don't think it's gonna happen, but man, that's really good. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree. It'd be very intriguing, and you know that's uh, yeah, just it's just it's interesting when people because I I know that there's a lot of thoughts out there about Cody right now. I know people are all over the place on loving him and hating him and wanting to see him, and not wanting to see him, and all this stuff. But like you just said. He is a little bit more of an old school mindset. And I've talked about that before too, where like, I think people need to appreciate more of what he is doing for AEW behind the scenes up to this point, because he's really the bridge between old school wrestling, but he's also new school in a lot of ways. Like he doesn't, he wrestles a little more kind of like WWE does and kind of the more theatrical stuff, but like he, he has like modern matches. Like he can go out there and, and have like a classic against other top wrestlers but it, it's uh, it, it's just, I don't know. It's like, I, I, on one hand, I think obviously Cody knows what he's doing. He's been a wrestling fan his entire life. He's the son of Dusty. He's the brother of Dustin. Like he, he knows what he's doing. Like in, I, I think a lot of the fans that are upset with him, like don't realize like that's the exact reaction he's trying to get out of you. Like you're, you are getting worked right now by everything he's doing. Um, but on the flip side, Imagine, I'm not saying this is good or bad. I'm just saying for fans out there that like think, oh, get rid of Cody. He shouldn't be an EVP. He shouldn't be on TV. He shouldn't be this and that. And it's like, do you want AEW to not have him? And like, maybe you're watching people throwing fake grenades at each other and sticking thumbs in each other's buttholes in slow motion. Cause like, that's, cause like, cause that, cause that's what happens on a lot of these shows. Like, like I, I listen, I want, I love PWG, but like, I don't know how much of that would fly on mainstream TV. I don't know how much like the overall audience is going to want to see a lot of that stuff. Like, I don't know how many people want to see Kenny Omega wrestle a, a blow up doll. 
on like national television. You know what I'm saying? So like, I think that Cody might be filtering some of these things out to backstage and being like, yeah, that's a pretty cool idea, but maybe we do that on like, you know, on like indie shows, but like, let's, let's not do that on, on TBS. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I just feel like people do need to kind of keep that in mind. Like Kenny and the young bucks is Kenny, especially, I love Kenny Omega. I think he's one of the, him and Brian Danielson, I think are the two best in-ring wrestlers in the world right now. But he also has a lot of really out there ideas that maybe it's good to have a Cody around to kind of pull some of that back every now and then. You know what I mean? I, I, I love Cody. I love that you love Cody and Charlotte. You're, you're mm-hmm. like, you just love the most divisive people on on the twitter sphere uh i i think cody's tremendous i cheered i cheered like crazy for him last night i'm not gonna lie like i was i was <laughs> yeah. so excited i was so excited when this man came out i was fired up Dude, he's just got a presence about him especially especially in AEW, where like, a lot of guys have a presence about him in AEW. but because he he does feel so different from everybody else in that company like it, it works and, may, and maybe that's why he just I, I do think he sticks with AEW. I don't think he actually is going to, to WWE, but it, it works in AEW and he would feel at home in WWE doing this stuff. And and let's be honest, WWE has a bigger platform than, than AEW. They're in, they're in more countries. They, they do more media and stuff. If he truly wants to end racism, like we know he does, he, the WWE is the place to do it. Not, not AEW. AEW is, is too small to actually end racism. Well, well, what, what about the idea though? I mean, we're seeing, I know Mickey James isn't, um, isn't contracted impact technically, but like she is an impact. She's the knockout champion. She's going to be in the rumble and they, there are the reports out there, uh, you know, from Sean and stuff about, uh, the iconics, like they, they were offered to come back and, and refused and stuff. So like, I maybe just maybe Vince and Nick Khan and the people involved in WWE, are actually open to being a part of the forbidden door a little bit more. I, I know it's a long shot, but maybe they work something out with Cody and go, all right, like we'll bring you in. You'll stay contract. Almost like the Brian Pillman situation years ago, like when he went to ECW, but like actually went to WWF, even though WCW thought he was going to be coming back to them. Like you, maybe you do something like that where it's like, let's make the whole wrestling world think you are not with AEW anymore. And you come to WWE and almost like the NWO back in the day, like, like when we were watching that in real time, like we thought that WWF wrestlers were invading WCW because we hadn't seen something like that before. I think maybe something like that with Cody where like, he doesn't have a contract, but he does have an agreement with Vince and with Tony. And it's like, I'm going to go to WWE for like three months or whatever. And like the wrestling world is just going to lose their minds over it. And they can figure ways to where it's mutually beneficial for AEW and WWE to have some sort of, relationship because when you look at it wwe is really the only company not not in this forbidden door situation and i remember people always forget remember years back when jushin thunder Liger came in and he wrestled tyler breeze on takeover like i think triple h for years has wanted to be doing cross promotion but he's just had all the power taken away from him maybe some of the people in power in wwe are willing to actually get involved with other companies because WWE's buzz is just on a downward spiral. They're losing viewers. They're losing the 18 to 49 demo. Like do something to shake it up and get fans like me excited again. And I think being a part of the forbidden door would, would be a huge thing for them. And it'd make it must watch TV again for someone like me. I'm not sure. I don't think they want to try to help AEW at all. Uh, But I do think that 
if they can steal Cody and they can offer him a big deal, because he ain't coming in on like some three month deal. If they're signing Cody, they're signing Cody for for big money, and they're doing probably a long term type of thing, um, which I think would it'd be great for WWE. I don't I don't see them working with AEW at all. It'd be like it'd be cool as a wrestling fan if all these companies just kind of work together. But WWE, WWE, I don't think actually has any interest in getting fans like like you back they're, they're more worried about what WWE, what the next you know straight to dvd movie they can produce and you know make money off of that <laughs> the, 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 the next choose your own adventure undertaker netflix yeah movie. yeah they're yeah. they're way more worried about that than like ah, i wonder how we get steven jensen back to watching raw weekly <laughs> very true i say that all often too by the way like i'm not ignorant to that fact like the WWE is marketing to kids like i'm completely understand like and and i'm just not a part of what they're trying to appeal to anymore i'm just saying if they're looking at the the ratings and stuff they're going you know we've like lost this entire chunk of our audience that buys the pay-per-views although they're only like five dollars now on peacock so that's a little different business model but like that's the benefit I, i i agree i don't think that they care but i'm just saying like i think people kind of undervalue what the 18 to 49 demo really is as wrestling fans, because although the WWE could have a business model where they're appealing to kids that are like five years old to like 13 or whatever. Um, and there's always going to be a new batch of kids that they can attract and bring in as fans of the company, whether they leave as teenagers or adults, they don't really care because there's just always going to be new fans trickling in. But the 18 to 49, like we're the ones who like buy the merchandise and, and bring people to the shows with us and buy tickets. And like, we spend our money on wrestling when, when you're a kid that works too, to a degree. Cause like, if you're 10 years old, you're, you're selling at least two tickets. Cause a 10 year old kid can't just go to the show by himself. So you got to sell at least a ticket for one of the parents or whoever's bringing them. I mean, there's a strategy to it also, but I'm with you. I don't think that would be cares that they're, that they've lost fans like myself. But I also think that, at some point they might look at it and be like, we're all still wrestling fans. We're just not watching their show. Like we're still right there kind of on the peripheral, like circling around the WWE stratosphere. And we'd like to get back in, but they're just not giving us any reason to. Um, and it wouldn't take that much, honestly, to get us back. Like, like just Cody, Cody showing up is enough. Just for need me. Cody. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, my spotlight when it comes to AEW is MJF's promo last night. I thought this man cooked CM Punk on the mic. And you can't say that very often, but being there live, I don't know how it came across on television, but being there live, I'm not saying CM Punk was like lost out there because that would be very unfair. But man, his material compared to MJF's material was night and day stuff. And I'm, I'm very mixed on MJF. Like when he uses the low-hanging fruit – kind of stuff and he he has to take the the easy shots and like the the kind of cringeworthy shots i'm not real i'm not real big on that kind of stuff but when when he just like really cuts in and gets something that isn't so low-hanging but is actually like story driven like that's when i'm i'm behind him a lot of the stuff that he does in like video packages i think is very good and last night like that felt like very much like a video package promo where he's talking about like you gave up on the fans in Cleveland, you're gonna quit, you left, uh, you know, I'm gonna end your career, you're not gonna get back up and everything. And like the little digs he was taking, but still like really advanced the story instead of you know, instead of mentioning he, he did he did mention like the podcast stuff and everything, which I thought in this 
uh, aspect what was very good. You know, he's not going the cringe stuff like he does with like Brian Pillman and talking about overdoses and, and things like that. I don't find any place for that when it comes to the MJS promos. Punk, he was like, I'm not giving up on the fans. You know, I'm back. The fans in Cleveland love me. And then he mentioned Chicago and we would all boo and everything. It's like, I don't know, man. Like MJF was making some points against you. You did leave and you were complaining a lot. And uh, you know, you're back and that's great and everything, but I thought MJF cooked this man on the mic. What do you think of these promos? I think MJF has cooked CM Punk almost every time they've gone back and forth. Like I think oh, Punk's okay. held I, I think Punk's held his own, like on in some of the exchanges, but a babyface CM Punk to me is just so much lamer than a heel CM Punk. Like he's still very much to me kind of the I'm happy to be here. The fans love me. I'm doing my whole kind of like return tour and getting the dream matches that you'll want to see. And, but like that, it, it almost, uh, it almost sandbags him a little bit because I think there's a lot of things he'd really like to say, but if he did, they'd come off very heelish and he can't do that right now. Um, that said, I mean, this is, there's people that hate me saying this. I think MJF is, significantly better all around than, than CM Punk is like, I am a way bigger MJF fan than a CM Punk fan. I like CM Punk. I respect CM Punk. Um, I've been very critical on his MMA career, but like, that's a whole other thing in, in pro wrestling. I think that CM Punk is still very popular and he's having very good matches. Like, I mean, I loved his match with Kingston in particular. I, I loved his match with, um, with Lee Moriarty. I was there in Atlanta for that. Like CM Punk is, is doing well. I'm, I'm not out here being a CM Punk hater. But if it's me and I'm AEW and I have MJF who's in his like early to mid twenties and we all saw it. I mean, I, I loved his match with Darby Allen. I thought that was the best match of the year last year. I know I'm kind of alone in that, but like, I love that match. MJF can really, really go in the ring and he tells great stories and his psychology is great. And he, like I said, he's young and he, he's the best guy on the microphone, I think in the company. And I'm a little worried that they're going to have CM Punk go over him. And I don't want to see that. I, I want to see MJF beat CM Punk. Like whether he does it clean or not, that's that won't happen. I mean, he will cheat. It will be something heelish that gets the job done, but that's on brand for him. Um, as far as the, the promo battles, I agree. Sometimes MJF, it, it doesn't hit quite right. And it, and there, there have been like very cringy things he said, like you've mentioned, but 90% of the time, 95% of the time, even like, I'm watching his promos going, dude, the balls on this kid. Like, I mean, cause I mean, he grew up with CM Punk posters in his bedroom. You know what I mean? He's going face to face with this dude that, you know, in his own mind, he's marking out. Like, I can't believe I'm yelling at CM Punk right now, but he's not afraid to, to go there and like really put it all on the line of these promos. So I agree. I thought that MJF won that promo about that. That was a, that was a 10, seven round for MJF in my opinion. I, yeah, I thought MJF destroyed him in the promo. And then he laid him out afterwards. I, when he sat on his chest, cross-legged, and like, I'm going to end your career where it began. It's like, oh, man. this is, MJF was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic in that entire segment. And I'm back and forth on him. I, I think as a wrestler, he's, he's proven a lot and continues to get better. But that promo segment last night, I thought that was one of, one of his best. And I don't... I don't have full full recollection of the the Thanksgiving promo. That was that was a much better showing from from CM Punk. I thought both guys did really well, and that I do think I gave that slightly to MJF last night. I'm with you though. I don't feel I don't feel like it was it, it was it was close. I don't know how it came across on television, but Punk in the building 
felt like he was a little off kilter compared to the usual confident CM Punk when it comes to this stuff. It felt like he was going more like cheap pop kind of direction instead of actually arguing what, what CM Punk or what MJF was trying to say. You don't see that too often out of CM Punk. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and JJ mentioned in the chat that MJF sitting on uh, CM Punk's chest at the end. I thought that was great. People were comparing that to Kento, which I get the comparison because they, but I think that was really more so like the pipe bomb, right? Like him sitting Indian style on CM Punk's chest while he was pipe bombing him. I think, I think it was like almost both. I do think it was more, way more pipe bomb stuff, but we know the the thing with Kenta and CM Punk and the, the go yeah. to sleep. So it could, it could have been a little Easter egg to Kenta as well. Regardless, I, I thought MJF was great. I'm looking forward to that match next week. I'm with you. I think MJF should win that match. I don't know if he will, but I really think he, he should win that match because I've liked CM Punk's run. I've said it for a very long time. I need more meat on the bone with CM Punk. And like he he said it last night. He's like, you're tired of me talking? Like I'm out here. He's like, I'm tired of talking. I want to wrestle. And then of course he talks for, for 20 minutes because MJF won't fight him. Uh, but like I, I need that heelish, dickish CM Punk that MJF referenced last night and Eddie Kingston referenced in, in, in their lead up to, to their match. Like that's the punk that I need because this happy go lucky, Hey, I'm here and it's a new town. I'm ready to wrestle. And we got a great show for you tonight, everybody. I, I don't need that. I don't need that guy. I, w- I want the guy who is a little, does have that edge to him with this stuff. And I don't think we're going to see that until he finally loses a match. And so go ahead and get that out of the way with CM Punk and then bring or with MJF and then bring that CM Punk out. In, in what in what better place to have that all happen than Chicago? Like if MJF oh, pinned him heat, in Chicago, the Heat, Steven Jensen. Yeah, I there. love that. I love that. And part of me wants to think that like it won't be over in Chicago. Like they'll drag this to the pay per view, but like something big will happen in Chicago that gets even more heat on MJF. And here's a little Easter egg for people too. Um, since we are covering more indies on this show, um, I'll give so- y'all something to watch um, after you watch this show here. If you haven't seen it. A lot of people were talking about how MJF brought up the Colt Cabana thing. Didn't do it by name, but we all knew what he was talking about with the lawsuits and suing people and stuff. In in wrestling lore, Colt Cabana is MJF's father. And a lot of people don't know this. But like on the indies, you can actually find... There was a match in particular. I can't remember what company it was. It might, it might have been AEW. I really can't remember. But literally they did a they did a match years ago where colt cabana and mjf were in the ring together and the crowd was singing cats in a cradle like cats in the cradle in the silver spoon and they were playing catch with one another like colt cabana was teaching mjf how to throw a baseball like like father-son moment (laughs) and like so i'd I'd recommend y'all check that out because um there's there's a long history actually of of cm or sorry of mjf and colt cabana being linked together so it's a little extra cherry on top that like he did bring up the cm punk thing last night or sorry the cm punk and cabana thing i'm i'm searching this it's at aaw if you if you just google search colt cabana mjf play catch it's the the first video <laughs> on there uh and there's a couple videos on it actually so yes there you go my god steven jensen with the knowledge there i thought i kind of thought cabana was gonna come out last night and because punk was dressed to wrestle and i thought mjf was gonna bring out cabana to wrestle him 
I don't know how much we're going to see Punk and Cabana interact on television. My my gut tells me not at all because there seems to be some really bad feelings there. If they were going to do it, especially now learning of this, there's this would be the time to do it. It, it would seem and. And until hopefully, you know, time continues to heal some wounds between these two. Uh, but if they're going to do it as far as striking as with an actual storyline, this would be the time to do it. I don't think they will. And you know, I think there's actual like not great feelings between those two. And so they're, they're probably just best off not even going down that road. But man, good Easter egg from from Jensen. Everyone check no, out no. that video with the. Uh, and another possible Easter egg there too would be if they ever do go towards Cabana and CM Punk on AEW and like they, they want to either resolve this or whatever they want to do on screen. Ace Steel's available now too. He trained those guys. And like he was with, you know, WWE up until recently. And you can bring him in as kind of like the middleman of like trying to get them to figure things out. Like there's a lot you can do with a story like that. So there you go. Good stuff. Uh, Colin Matthews says, can we speculate whether Kyrie turns up at the stardom pay-per-view this Saturday? We can speculate that Kyrie might turn up at the Rumble on Saturday. That That is a report that her name has been uh, talked about. So we, we'll see with Kyrie. I imagine they've got some some type of surprises planned for, for the Rumble men's and women's. They revealed a lot of the, the women's surprises, but I think they'll probably have more. And then the men's, they always have some surprises. I've seen the names out there. From, from a couple different websites that I, I won't spoil it for anybody, but it does, it does seem like they got some some good surprises up their sleeves. And so we're going to move on to the other category. And again, this is kind of like Impact, New Japan, MLW, NWA, companies that have television and have a presence, whether it be in America. New Japan's obviously the biggest company in Japan, but they do have a, a presence in America. New Japan's strong, things like that, but aren't technically indies. And, and for mine, I want to talk about Matt Cardona and him just completely trashing the NWA in an interview uh, with Busted Open. First off, he said Trevor Murdoch treats him like shit, or he treated him like shit in WWE, and now he buried him for his Twitter followers. He says, when I was six, I watched the NWA. I thought it sucked. thought everything was old and outdated and boring. 30 years later, it's the same thing. It still sucks. It's still boring. It's still dated. And he, he talks about living the nostalgia, living in the past, and how there needs to be like energy and everything. And a part of me, a big part of me knows Cardona is working here. I mean, he is signed to the company in some aspects. It's obviously not an exclusive deal, but he's getting paid by that company. So he is playing this heel and going against tradition and everything. But these comments kind of strike because a lot of people have the, the same same feeling when it comes to nwa of like all right cool you're doing nostalgia stuff but there is a difference between doing nostalgia and keeping guys like tyrus on the roster who are big guys that can't work like the nwa like kind of used to have and then actually pushing your product forward with, with uh you know whether it be an updated set or just kind of forward thinking ideas and i think cardona is tying a lot of that together because it does seem like NWA is pushing their product forward a little like Darius Lockhart is, is an easy example of uh, I think he should be one, one of their next champions, but like they got Trevor Murdoch as the champion, all this held the title forever. There should be some forward thinking with the NWA and not just let's rely on nostalgia. Let's rely on nostalgia studio show, no entrance music, small venue and all this stuff. Like I, I think Cardona made some points with the, uh, with these, uh, with, these comments yeah i agree um one thing it's almost it's a double-edged sword with the nwa because 
on one hand, I like that they do all the things you mentioned because they are a true alternative. Like they're for better or worse, they are different than AEW and WWE and, and a lot of these other companies, new Japan. It is something different. Um, unfortunately for the NWA, I think there's this a really small percentage of fans that are really clamoring for that type of show in 2022. Um, when you have a guy like Tyrus, everything outside of the ring aside, because I know there's people who don't like him for things that don't have to do with wrestling, but we'll talk strictly wrestling. He might be the worst in-ring wrestler on television. He's like, he's, awful. he's awful. Yeah. Um, that heart punch is just pathetic. I mean, it's just, I mean, and, and like they're, they've built him, like he's the, the most unbeatable guy on the whole show. Um, I mean, I'm terrified that he'll win the end. Of, well, I shouldn't even say terrified at this point, but I feel like he's he's on his way to being the world champion there at some point. And it's like, and then what? Like, what Like, what are you thinking if you do something like this? Like, and I'm not saying they should do that. I, I actually would advocate the opposite. I don't think they should. But then again, I don't think he should be their television champion. And he is. So it's like, I, or North America. What do they call the North American? Uh, North American yeah. champion? North yeah. American champion. I, I always get confused with, with their belts. But or the nat- yeah, so. they have the national title and then they have the television title. So I think it's just the national title. Okay. There you go. So, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, I think Murdoch, like, I think Murdoch, it, like, I don't think he's that bad, but I, I, but I do, I, it's interesting hearing Cardona say this stuff because it's like, I would too, if I was Cardona, like you're out there, like kind of changing the wrestling business. You're showing up in GCW and winning their title. You're the number one contender over an impact for their title. You're become a number one contender over an NWA and like you got all this buzz about you and you're, you're self-made and you got the action figures and the YouTube channel and the Twitch and this and that. And it's like, and then you go to the NWA and it's just like, Oh, this is kind of lame. Like Tyrus and, and Murdoch and like, you know what I mean? He seems like the most exciting thing about that entire show. And he's barely been there at all. Um, I don't even dislike Trevor Murdoch, to be honest. Um, I just don't think if you're a company that wants to create buzz in 2022 that you want him as your world champion. Um, and I'd say the same about Nick Aldis, for what it's worth. Like, you you need to do... It, it's it's too old school. It is an alternative, but I think it's too old school for the modern fan. And I just think there's just not a lot of interest. So it was, it was very interesting to hear Cardona say that stuff because uh, um. I'm sure he meant it all. Like I, I could totally believe that him and Hawkins, when they went into WWE, uh, they got big leagued by guys like Trevor Murdoch. And now the tables have kind of turned where, yeah, Murdoch's NWA world heavyweight champion, but who really cares? Unfortunately, like Cardona would for better or worse, like, you know, cause I'm a big Cardona fan. Um, and I think he could bring a lot of eyes to the NWA potentially, especially if he brought the NWA world title to like a GCW show or something. Like, I think that'd be huge for NWA to, to just get more exposure on other shows that like are a bigger deal right now. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know. Like, do you, do you think that they're, they're going to put the world title on the horses to the world's heavyweight title on, uh, on Cardona? I think they should because I think they will actually get buzz on that. I mean, Cardona, there's a lot of truth in, in every little. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24 7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, 
For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply every joke right and there's a lot of reality in his comments even if he is working but when he says like this guy doesn't have 10,000 Twitter followers and here he is pushing 2 million like 2 million people don't watch the NWA I don't know how many people watch that show even I know Cardona's probably like a lot of bots maybe not a lot of them are active and things like that but even if you take 25% of that that's still more people than, than watch that show I gave up on that show a while ago it, it was awful awful some of the worst television I've, I've ever watched it, it seems like it's gotten a little bit better now that I've been able to acquire uh some some new talent and everything and they've they've, they've been able to sort of refocus but yeah, Trevor Murdoch as your world champion in 2022 it just it ain't it ain't gonna do a whole lot at least if Cardona has the title like he can he can be a heel pretty much everywhere with it and wanting to like elevate it. It can go to GCW with it and really be a heel. Like, but he can like put over the NWA while he buries the NWA and its tradition on the NWA. He can go to GCW and like put over the NWA and its tradition and and, like lift it on that program. So he can, he can be a heel everywhere, but like a different kind of heel, depending on which promotion he goes to or which television show he shows up at. So I would put the belt on Cardona uh, 100% because he's proven, look what he did with, with GCW. Impact, it's not working quite as well because he does sort of feel WWE light in Impact, and I don't think that's through any fault of his own. But certainly in, in all these other promotions that he shows up, he feels much different. He feels reinvigorated, and I mean, he, he has something about him that, that is drawing people in. And so, yeah, I'd put the belt on him 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. And it, just for what it's worth, I don't know what the fight TV numbers, but I just looked at uh the like the power numbers on YouTube and stuff. And I mean, some of the some of them are you know thirty, forty thousand viewers total. The NWA USA shows are getting like less than ten, like between like three to ten thousand viewers and stuff. So yeah, we're gonna outdraw that shit. Everyone's gonna watch us. We're, we're they're gonna put the belt on us soon enough, Jensen. <laughs> and one speaking of Cardona, do you want to segue that into my uh, my spotlight? Yeah, yeah. So it ties spot, like, yeah, it has to do with Cardona and Impact, so let them know. Yep. So uh, the challenge was put out for Matt Cardona to challenge Jordan Grace for the Digital Media Championship. And that, of course, is an intergender wrestling match, uh, a man versus a woman. Now, I'm going to preface this conversation by saying there's a lot of people out there that don't even like the term intergender wrestling because, you know, wrestling's wrestling. But for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to use the term intergender because it just, it makes the conversation easier to understand. Um, my spotlight this week is that, and we'll also, I'll bring this up too, because I know you wanted to, there, there's, you know, this, uh, today, Caleb with a K is going to be a part of the knockouts tag team title match, which also would be intergender wrestling, uh, men and women wrestling against each other. Now, my conversation, my spotlight is I feel that and i'm going to say the name i know people don't want me to bring it up but i have to for the conversation pretty much ever since tessa blanchard won the impact world championship they haven't really gone back to spotlighting 
spotlight keep bringing that up on the show just to, to highlight or spotlight women as like world champion level wrestlers and impact and i think that they should because they have talents like jordan grace and diana perrazzo and they recently got masha slamovich and mickey james and they got a lot rachel Elring. there's a lot of women there that i feel like on a show like impact where the audience the expectations already there i don't know how well for better or worse i don't know how well this idea works in an AEW or wb i don't know but as far as for impact they've already proven that the audience likes these types of matches and that they will accept a champion of any gender and they, and they just want to see good matches and stories that make sense. So, you know, we, for years I've been saying like, why aren't they pushing Ace Austin? Why aren't they pushing Willie Mack? Why aren't they pushing Chris Bay? And if you're not going to push them, like push the women in those spots, like push Jordan, like Jordan Grace versus Moose, I think is a sellable match for impact. Like Deanna Perrazzo versus, huh? I don't know about Moose. <laughs> Well, no, well, I'm, well, I'm just, well, he's the world champion here. That's why, that's why I say, it. Yeah, you, you, I know what I mean. I yeah. um, we'll, we'll say, you know, but okay. But you know, the point, the point I'm trying to make, yeah, it, like Jordan Grace was, you know, she was involved in the X division title uh, scene years back, but she's hasn't really been a part of that lately. Um, so that, that's kind of my spotlight that I wanted to bring up for impact is just the idea that Yes, Impact does do intergender matches um, way more often than any of these other companies we're talking about. Um, but I'm not really talking about like mixed tag matches or like digital media championship and that kind of stuff. I'm talking like I'd like to see in particular Jordan Grace and Deanna Perrazzo and, and others. But they're, they're the two that really, really, really stick out to me as like I think they should be involved with the exhibition title and they should be involved with the world title because the talent's there. And impact proved with Tessa, like they will go all the way with the woman as a world champion, and the audience will accept it. But the the outside the ring Tessa stuff, that's a completely different conversation. But within the actual realm of wrestling, that's what I'm discussing here. Is and, and how do how do you feel about that? Like, do you, do you think that they should lean more into the really high level women that they have being highlighted as potential like world champions with Impact right now? Oh, 100%. And you you gave the two examples I think most people would look towards is Deanna Brazo and, and Jordan Grace. We've seen Jordan compete in the, the X Division scramble uh, a couple years back. So so she's been in that kind of stuff. Uh, Deanna, you could easily tell the story of like she, Jonathan Gresham has called her the best technical wrestler in the world. You could easily tell the story of just like she just outsmarts these guys and like puts them in, in holds and shit that like they just cannot get out of it doesn't have to be a power for power type of thing but in, when it comes to jordan like that's the story you could tell with her is like all right especially in the exhibition you've got these like smaller kind of guys jordan is just stronger than them like she's just stronger than a guy like trey miguel uh and you could tell that story i definitely think there there's room for it and like you said impact's done it with tessa and and jj said it in the chat like before i knew tessa was trash i was behind her winning the impact world title and in sammy callahan put it the best feud it's pro wrestling like yes a hundred percent and that's the thing is like take take tessa tessa's personal stuff aside i know that could be difficult but but like you said we're having a conversation about what we're seeing on screen tessa was very believable as the world champion and it felt like it was her time as as being the world champion and it felt different and it felt like it could have been something except she literally oh screwed it up and opened her mouth like the day before she was supposed to to win the title um 
and that's you know and, and that's what hurt it ultimately and they haven't really gone back to that i feel like you can trust it with with uh diana perrazzo and jordan grace and those are the two women who it fits it fits them it easily fit them i think right now it could be difficult with the world title because you do have somebody like moose and even if you if you want to set aside personal stuff and just look at on screen moose is a very big dude and maybe they just don't want that visual coming off same with like morrissey cardona is is the great example though of you know cardona is going to face jordan grace for for the digital title and i don't think this digital title like means a whole lot it's same. pretty much a, a an afterthought, a secondary, uh, a secondary thing. Um, but like, they're probably going to have a good match whenever it happens. And we will get some, some intermixing there. I don't know what their plans are for the digital title. I think you can, you can do some intergender stuff with it. They clearly have plans to do it, but I don't think it's a big title. I would much rather see like a Diana and a Jordan in an X division spot right there and going after those titles. You can even have them go after the tag team titles a little bit. Good brothers with gallows, the visual. I I get you they can be the visuals can be concerning sure. in some of this stuff. Right. And I, I think that's that why for sure. yep. and I, I think that's why sometimes a lot of these companies will stay away from it. And that's why the X Division makes sense. And depending on who your world champion is, it would make sense. If Matt Cardona is your world champion, obviously Cardona Grace, they could wrestle each other. Doesn't seem like a big deal. When your world champion is Moose or maybe it's W. Morrissey, then it becomes a little bit tougher to, to pull off without people looking at it and being like, ooh, I don't know about that. It doesn't look right. Yeah, and, and I think part of this too for me is like, like for instance, like Josh Alexander. I think that he'll most, I mean, he should win their title again. It was really weird how they had him build with the X Division title. He blew everyone's tits off with that TJP Ironman match and like he cashes in for option C and like he has this great run with the title and then wins the world title and it's gone within minutes. And I feel like they've got to put him back in that spot. Otherwise, what was the point of all of that? But the reason I bring him up is because he could very well be the next impact world champion. And I, you know, he had a match with Ruby Soho recently on the Indies. That was really, really good. And even then the visual is a little strange, but then the match gets going and you're like, this is a damn good match. And like, you just kind of forget that there's like kind of the big size difference and all that stuff. Um, even in like, um, deathmatch wrestling, there's a woman, Sadika, who, when I first started watching her do death matches, I was like really uncomfortable because there was these men going out there and hitting the shit out of her with like light tubes and glass and everything you could think of meat skewers and gossip plates and everything that they use on, on these death matches now. But like she held her own so strongly that now, like, I feel bad for the dudes that she's wrestling. Cause like, she's out there laying it in more than they are. So it's like, you know, so I, I, I think that it's just one of those things like Masha Slamovich, I keep bringing up because she's had a, a, a really great run on the Indies, mainly against other, against men. Um, and I think that she's someone that I think impact wrestling could really, really build to be one of their top people very, very fast. Cause the talents there and she's super believable. So like, um, so I guess that's kind of, uh, that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of where I'm going with, with the conversation. It's kind of like you're saying, I get that there's the visual um, uh, differences and I, and I get that, but sometimes you go into it thinking that, but then the talent is just so high level that you forget it while the match is happening and you just wind up seeing a great match. So, um, and I think impact is capable of doing that in their exhibition in the world title scene. And because impact has done it before, 
it it's less i think like pushback from the fans like, like you mentioned is if you try to do this in AEW, I, I don't think AEW fans would mind it a lot of those women on the roster have wrestled men you mentioned ruby soho as a perfect example thunder rosa is another one so i don't i don't think it would be that big of a deal if like AEW did it wwe might have a little bit i, I know wwe is very worried about like the visual of that stuff and that's why they they're, they're not going to do it and or they, they teased it with nia Jax years back they did and then yeah. again they still got cold feet about everything so yeah they, they they'll do it like in spots but i don't think that you're gonna really see them go for it you're certainly not gonna see them you know ha- i don't think see a woman win a, a men's title or anything because they've certainly established like hey the women's championship is just as value as the men's championship um, but a lot of the women love wrestling the men too. And that's why you see so many of these women compete in intergender matches on the indies and everything. And a lot of the women will say that you know, you've got to wrestle men to, to improve because you know, the women, women's wrestling just isn't quite as far as long as men wrestling. It's just, it, it hasn't been around quite as much, especially at this level. So wrestling the men will just help you improve a little bit more. And, and we, we've talked about before Jade Cargill is like a perfect example. It's like, she is just so much bigger than a lot of these women in AEW. They're like being in there with the men probably help her improve more than just like her, you know, kicking the, kicking these women and everything, because she might feel she has to be protective with them where she goes in there against somebody like Dustin Rose. She'd be like, all right, Dustin, she can just lay it in and everything. And so a lot of these women like wrestling the men because it will help them improve. And when it comes to the visual, you've got to stay away from that in some aspects. At least I think companies are want to stay away from that in some aspects. You mentioned Josh Alexander. Like, that is a perfect, perfect person where if he's your world champion and he goes out there and wrestles Diana Perrazzo, the visual is fine. The match is going to be great. That's just something I think that everybody would want to see. And I don't think anybody would be like, oh, I don't know about this. Because they go out there and, like you said, once the match kind of gets going and everything, it'll certainly, especially the way Alexander and Diana wrestle, Nobody's going to be like, oh, man, he's like really hurting her in, in this type of thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And also to your point, like just so people don't get the wrong idea, when Jeremy talks about like, you know, the women, it's just taking a little bit longer to kind of get to the same spot within, in a lot of these scenarios. It's the same kind of thing that in, in mixed martial arts, like, yeah, like in, in women's MMA, like it took a minute for and of course they were training with men and women in the gym and stuff they were women only fighting women and that's a totally different thing fighting versus pro wrestling that's a whole other conversation but my point is like right now if you watch the ufc because it it took some time but like right now you see a lot of really 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 high level women's fights like that are just as good as the men's fights and like so it's just it just it's a process and i think that what jeremy's saying is like totally on point because if you, I think in wrestling, you have a unique opportunity where you can do men versus women on screen and you can, you can do that kind of stuff in, in mixed martial arts. That's a tough sell watching men punch women. Oh in the yeah. Face. You can you never know, like, do that. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but, but, but in, but in, in wrestling, you have this unique opportunity to really kind of like, like you're saying, you know, maybe there isn't so much of a pool of like these high level women for each for them to to work with. But if you can work the high level women in with the high level men, everybody gets better together. So like, um, so yeah, we're on the same page, man. So yeah, if you're hearing this impact wrestling, uh, you know, Deanna Perrazzo and Jordan Grace, because that's the thing. And that's the reason we keep bringing up Tessa is like, I think Jordan Grace is every bit as good as Tessa Blanchard is. And then the yeah. same goes for Deanna. So like, if she's good enough to be the world champion in impact, I think those two are as well. 
hundred percent. I I think Diana is someone that you could just easily tell that story with. And same same with Jordan. Like I said, Jordan and like the X division would, would be fantastic because we've you know they've said it. Like it's not about weight limits, about no limits and stuff. Like Diana could her or I mean yeah, Diana she could technically wrestle with anybody and slow them down and ground them. And Jordan could just toss them around and it it would be fantastic. They they certainly have the talent to to pull that off and. You know, whether or not they, they go back to it, I, I don't know. Uh, let's move on to the indie spotlights. And for me, I mean, GCW is coming off their, their biggest weekend ever with the, the Hammerstein show, the world on GCW. And to pinpoint one thing that I think will kind of lead to an overarching discussion of all of this, but the Effie and Jeff Jarrett match is, is the one thing that I want to kind of touch on because this was this was a GCW match in that like hey we're gonna bring in this legend who who you know and who's gonna create some buzz and everything we're gonna put them against one of our guys and especially in this venue this environment this stage it seemed like effie should have gone over here and he didn't and i didn't like that booking call i didn't jj loves jeff jarrett and i get it I did not like that booking call i thought that one of cardona and jarrett would win because they like to do the heat and everything and they put effie over so strong in in the build-up you know brett lauderdale's putting him over and like there is no other effie out there and it's like you just had him lose to jeff jarrett no offense to jeff jarrett this man is a tremendous grifter i hope i have the the longevity and make the money that, that jeff jarrett does and i can just go anywhere and no one uh and i can sell gold bars to people and things like that but like effie should have won this match and i thought this like effie losing was almost a micro cosm of like the overall big picture of of what went wrong with gcw at the hammerstein show what'd you think yeah i i completely agree uh with literally everything you said uh it was especially confusing when like you mentioned brett lauderdale before the pay-per-view went on air like the two people he brought up about like there's no other effie and there's no other alley catch and both of them lost to non-gcw wrestlers on the show that was very strange um, I will say this. I really like the the Jeff Jarrett uh, My World guitar riff like theme oh, song. Yeah. Yeah. That finish yeah. and by the way, the finish was great. Like Effie no selling the guitar shot and then taking the stroke with the guitar wrapped around his neck and everything. That was a tremendous, tremendous finish. I won't knock that at all. I just didn't think he should have won the match. No, I I completely agree. I I I, I think it was counterproductive. Um and Effie, I mean, people forget the whole Effie Jeff Jarrett feud started because Effie was cutting a promo right before the Battle Royal that Homicide won, and his whole thing was he wanted to go after the, the GCW World Championship. And now it's like not only is he not fighting for the championship, he's losing to Jeff Jarrett. Like, what happened here? Like, this guy should be one of the next in line for a GCW World Title shot. He's one of the most popular guys they have. He's one of the best in ring guys, one of the best talkers. Got a great look, great entrance, everything that you want out of a star. And he's like, he brings something totally different to the table. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was just interesting how they, how they decided to do that. I, I don't necessarily like it. And I'm a little concerned depending on where this leads, because I, it's, it's hard for me to believe this was like a one-off like Jeff Jarrett's got to be a part of GCW going forward. Cause otherwise I don't know why you would have him beat Effie and I th- a big criticism out of the Hammerstein show was it was too, it wasn't like, it wasn't like watching a traditional GCW show. 
like and that was for a lot of reasons like they couldn't do the tubes and the glass and the gussets and the meat the meat skewers and the 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 uh pizza cutters and all that stuff because it was hammerstein it was new york the rules are different and all that but on top of that like it's like the show didn't really know exactly what it wanted to be. It was like kind of a GCW show, kind of like an ECW reunion type of vibe, kind of kind of indie wrestling, but also kind of sports entertainment. And I don't like, let me throw this out there. Do you think there's a possibility? Like there's a lot of speculation that Jeff Jarrett, and Conrad would want to start their own company right now because there's so much talent available and all this stuff. What if the story is that the company that Jeff Jarrett and Conrad want to buy is GCW? Ooh. And that's where this is heading. Where like it's like some sort of like some sort of much bigger story. And that's why Jarrett won is like because he's gonna be there and maybe he is trying to persuade Brett to sell it to him or something like that. Like I'm not saying he does this in real life. I'm just saying that's what the story is because there's so much speculation about him wanting a, a company again. So I'm just trying to think of like, why would they have him beat Effie, I guess, is at the end of the day. I think that story is, and this is going to sound like I'm burying it at first. I promise I'm not. Uh, let, let, let's play out. I think that story is as likely as the story of Jeff Jarrett just coaxed Brett Lauderdale for a lot of money. And he came in and he beat Effie and he's never seen again. And I say it's as likely because I think that story is very likely too. So right. I yeah, can see true. that playing either way, honestly. Like I, I could I could totally see that that type of like them doing something like that of like, hey, let me buy the, the company. And this is like a bigger storyline, and Effie has to fight to keep like the GCW name type of thing. I could also just see this of being like Jeff Jarrett wanted to work Hammerstein. He's like, ah, Effie seems like a cool name to work. He's got some buzz and everything. I'll come back and I'll do my return match with him. He got a bunch of money out of Lauderdale. He got a nice payday. He showed up on SmackDown two nights before. He got a nice payday out of it. He got his name up to promote his podcast and whatnot. And he's just never seen in GCW again. <laughs> I think that's very possible too. I, 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 I could see it going either way. Um, or maybe it just leads to another Jeff Jerry versus Effie match and Effie gets that win back and like more of a GCW show where like they can do more, but at the same time, it it's like, the this, same. like it it this is Hammerstein. This company. is this. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's how I feel too. It's like this. And, and I've almost compared it to WrestleMania, but that's not even true anymore. Now WrestleMania is used to set up things where it used to be the blow off to everything. Now you see WrestleMania rematches the next month and all this stuff. I don't want to see that in GCW. Like Hammerstein should have been like their big Super Bowl type show. And it almost should have been like, almost like a reset of like, okay, now we got all this new stuff going forward. I don't want to see a bunch of rematches. Like I don't want, I thought it was very, very strange to have Ruby Soho beat Ali Cash, especially clean on the show for the same exact reasons. Like Ruby Soho was great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, nothing against her, but like Ali Cash, especially in a company that doesn't feature that many female talents, like Ali Catch is a constant on that show, and she's one of the top people that they have in GCW. And she just loses to Ruby clean. It was just like, why would you do this? Like, like it doesn't make any sense to me. So there were just some questionable uh booking calls. But like you said, it could have literally come down to something as simple for Jeff Jarrett as that was just the agreement, and like he didn't want to lose and he got his money and he he got paid and he had the match. And for all we know, I, I doubt this is the 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 case but for all we know tony khan was like we don't want ruby losing on the show 
Like, you know, I, I don't know. So. And that was my thought when Ruby won. Like I kind of always thought Ruby was going to win because of that reason. And, and, you know, Ruby's gone and she's done independent matches where she's lost. Um, I, I think she's mainly like the, the Alex Shelley match. She, she lost. And again, she's wrestling men and everything. And maybe he, Tony Khan just didn't want her losing to, to Alec catch. I don't know what that, what the deal was. Cause he knew this was a big show. Like when she loses to Alex Shelley or, or Josh Alexander, it's like, okay, they're, they're big shows for those companies, but like they, they ain't as big as, as this GCW show here. Uh, so that was kind of my thought is I, why I didn't think Ruby was going to lose this match. Although I do agree with you. She probably should. No one's going to care if Ruby Soho loses this match. Are you kidding me? No one, no one cares. Um, but yeah, the, the Jarrett one was way more egregious in my opinion than, than Ruby beating, beating Allie. That one was just, what are you doing? Like, come on, let Effie win. Let everyone sing Elton John. Let everyone have a good time. And then nope, Jeff Jarrett wins. And I think he's out. He got his gold bars and he's done. <laughs> Well, the even more frustrating thing with the Effie situation for two reasons. One, Ruby Soho is at least like an active, like uh, upper card, yeah. you know, current AEW wrestler. Jeff Jarrett is like a retired wrestler who pops up completely randomly. And he's now like this pseudo Undertaker character out of nowhere that like just <laughs> kind of just happened. Um, but on top of that, it's like, it it's not a good look for Effie. And I love Effie and I hate saying this, but like, the whole story was built on like, it just made him look foolish because of all the stuff he said leading up to it. It makes it look like he just couldn't deliver on everything he said he was going to do for himself and the company. And then, you know, and I know like JJ is saying he's a legend. Dude, trust me. Like I've been watching Jeff Jarrett since he was wearing the, the, the things that connected from his pants up to his shoulders with the, the, the white, <laughs> white looking things and the, and I grade and the, I mean, I've been watching Jeff Jarrett a long time. I actually like Jeff Jarrett a lot more than most fans probably do. Um, I probably like Jeff Jarrett on GCW more than more than most fans probably did. Um, but it's the outcome that is the concern. Um, like you're saying, you know, so I'm not, this isn't like a gross Jeff Jarrett fest for me. It really isn't. It's just, it's more of a Effie's one of the top five most popular people in GCW. Why is he losing to Jeff Jarrett kind of conversation? It should be a roast Jeff Jarrett fest. He's going to buy progress. That's that's the real promotion that he's going to buy. Uh, Jensen, you have, I thought you were going to go GCW as well uh, with your indie spotlight, but you you threw me off with yours. I did. I went a little different. Um, just a heads up, if y'all want like really deep dive thoughts on the GCW Hammerstein show, the world on GCW, myself and Righteous Reg did the Fightful Post show the night of. So like there's like an hour and a half of like some real deep thoughts that I had on, on that show. So y'all can check that out after this right here at Fightful. Um, but my indie spotlight is this past weekend at Action Wrestling in Tyrone, Georgia. There is a new IWTV independent wrestling world champion crowned. And he is from the SWATs of Atlanta, Georgia. He is the former Southern Underground Pro Bone Storm champion, the former action wrestling champion, the reigning 2021 Scenic City Invitational Tournament champion, the Mac of all trades, AC Mac, won the IWTV title from Alex Shelley. Um, the show was, I'm not exaggerating. That was one of the best wrestling shows I might've ever watched. Not even just in recent memory. Like I love that entire action wrestling show. You can find it on IWTV right now. I highly recommend checking it out. Use code fight talk. If you want to, that always helps me out and use that code. But like that show from start to finish, the crowd was hot as hell. 
the the match itself, like the main event was incredible. AC Mack is a super, super baby face in that building. He's a heel and most times, but in that building, he's a massive baby face because that's where action wrestling runs out of, out, out of Tyron, Georgia. And the crowd was, they, they, they would not have accepted anything less. Like AC Mack was leaving that building with the championship. The way that they, they did it where AC uh, or uh, Matt Griffin, who's the promoter for action and, and Scott Hensley and, and these guys are all, they're all pounding on the ring apron and the wrestlers clear out of the locker room and everybody is cheering on for AC Mack to beat Alex Shelley. And when he did it, he, he got the job done. The place went in crazy. He cut this, one of the best promos I've ever heard in wrestling. Uh, Cause for those of you who might not know, um, AC Mack is black and he's gay. He's openly gay. And he's, I, I believe he is the first ever openly gay world champion in wrestling history. And he means a lot to representation in wrestling. A lot of things that a lot of fans really are clamoring for, like, you know, diversity and representation. And not only is he those things, he earned it 1 billion percent. None of this was handed to him for any reason other than he is an incredible pro wrestler. He's an even better talker than he is a wrestler. And I mean, he's a great wrestler, but he's a, he's a, he's a exceptional talker. And he went out there and he earned that championship. I've been watching him do it for years. Uh, I've, I've probably been following his career for probably four or five years now consistently and watching his, his rise to get this championship belt. It, it really hit me hard. Like I was like, dude, I was just so happy to see him win that title and I can't wait to see what he does with it. And can I, can I break that news right now? On the yeah. Show? Yeah. We're going to have AC Mac on the show next week, right here on the spotlight. Uh, so uh, we're going to actually talk to him about this title win and we're going to talk to him about the representation and how he feels about being this champion. And, and just, I can't wait to talk to him because he's a great dude and he's a great wrestler. So I wanted to make that my spotlight this week was AC Mack winning the IWTV independent wrestling world championship. So you mentioned that I will educate you a little bit to WWE because you don't keep up with it too much. And I've said that uh, I, you'll educate me to, the independent wrestling stuff that a lot of stuff that you watch. Cause I don't always watch a lot of like the GCW stuff. I'll check out if it ain't GCW. I'm, I'm typically not checking out too much of the stuff. If it's on IWTV and fight, unless it's something like Terminus. Uh, so I don't know too much about AC Mac. I'm, I'm not gonna, not gonna lie. Like I, I don't know a whole lot about AC Mac. I did not know he was openly gay. Like that's how, that's how little about AC Mac that I knew. I found this out after he won the title because I, I did the, the results and, and I looked into it a little bit more. And then when you said that you uh, were going to make this your spotlight, I was like, all right, well, I have to watch this match now. So I watched the match. I did not watch the entire event, but I did watch the match. And the crowd was the first thing that I noticed because this crowd was off the charts in, in his favor of like, all right, yeah, AC Max got to win this thing. And you, you mentioned like the wrestlers coming out and pounding the ring. Very, very much like the, the ROH when, when Gresham won the title and everything. And then as far as like his wrestling goes, I really love this match with Alex Shelley. I'm a big Alex Shelley fan. I think he's, yeah. he's one of, he's one of the best out there. Uh, and I really, really love this match. Like the, the story of like uh, them working him working on his arm. So he couldn't hit his finisher, the kill shot. Right. Yeah. The name, right? Oh, the, uh, the, the Mac 10. It, it's the, the Mac uh, 10. Okay. Sorry. It, it's, it, it's basically a pedigree where he crosses his opponent's arms, but right. he couldn't get, he couldn't keep the arms because his shoulder was being worked over. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think the announcers call it the kill shot a couple of times and, and it's like the kill shot is in like, this is his finishing move. And, and that confused me. Uh, so yes, the, the Mac 10, he couldn't hit that. And like, so finally, like 
he kept going for it, kept going for it, kept going for it. And then like he just realized, like, all right, I can't do this. And when he's locked into uh Shelly's submission, he just rolls him up out of it and gets the victory. Like, I thought this was a, a tremendous, tremendous match, taken to another level by by the crowd. And yeah, I, I don't know the background of AC Mac. I was not as invested as Jensen was, and I obviously knew the results and everything, but I thought his work was tremendous and the promo stuff. I thought his pre-match promo was great where he's like, you've been running from me. Like finally, no more of that. Like I'm number one in these rankings. I've been waiting for this title shot. Here we go. My home turf. I got it. And then his post-match promo talking about everything. Like I, I thought this was a a standout performance and somebody that now I'm definitely going to keep more of an eye on. And I, I cannot wait to to talk to him next week. You you set that up, Jensen, and this was something that I'm I'm really really excited about to, to talk to AC Mac next week. Yeah, me too. I I know he's looking forward to it as well. He was really really excited uh, when we were discussing him coming on. So, um, you know, and this is this is something cool too because I think if people go back and kind of watch his back catalog of of his matches over the years, you'll see a very very different wrestler than what you saw um on this past weekend and the reason is when he's a heel i I compare it kind of to like rick flair in his prime he goes out there and he gets beat up the entire match and then he'll just like kick you in the nuts and roll you up or kick you in the nuts and hit his mac 10 and it's like and sometimes he does the the extended clip where he'll hit you with the mac 10 but keep his arms locked and pick you back up and hit it again on you which i always like but um the point is, usually he's the guy, he's like the cowardly, like just barely getting by, barely getting through, somehow getting the win after getting his butt kicked the entire match. But as a baby face, because there's been a few scenarios recently where like the action wrestling show and then the scenic state invitational uh, in 2021, because um, there are people who have been following his career. It's, it's really cool as progressed because he's gone from like, he was the action wrestling champion for like, probably around like two years straight, if not longer. I mean, a long time. Um, He was so close to winning the SCI tournament year after year after year. And he finally did it this past year. And like all these things are finally falling into place for him. But it's one of those things where if you watch it, if you watch one of his matches going into it, thinking like, wait a second, like Steven said that he was like this incredible in ring worker, like this match with Alex Shelley if you watch him as a heel, he wrestles completely differently than he wrestles as a baby face. So it's, it's really cool. Cause you see a, a real character change as, as a heel and a baby face. A lot of the time, a lot of the time, what do you see in wrestling? I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying usually they just kind of, they wrestle the same, but they, they, instead of wrestling heels, they wrestle baby faces or vice versa. He is a full on, like a completely different wrestler, whether it's a heel or a baby face. And I really like that. It, it really freshens it up and gives it something different. So, um, yeah, I, I I can't say enough good things about that match with Alex Shelley. And I'm glad that you that you had a chance to watch it because um I'm I'm kicking myself that I wasn't there live. I was like an hour and a half from the venue and I just couldn't make it before the show was gonna start. So I just watched it from home. But uh yeah, they, they that that was kudos to action wrestling and AC Mac and IWTV and everyone involved for uh and Alex Shelley, of course, and everyone involved with all that. That I just I can't say enough good things about that show. In that title win, yeah, the 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 pop, like the and that crowd, they were they were on fire, on fire for that match. And and as someone who has not seen much of, of AC Mac, that like I I learned a lot about him just in this match. I learned a lot about him just now talking to you, and we're gonna learn more about him 
uh, next week when we talk to him. But I, I do encourage everyone to, to check check out. If you don't watch the whole show, Jensen Jensen said it's one of the best shows he's ever seen. So I encourage everyone to, to watch the whole show. If you don't watch the whole show, at least check out the main event between AC Mack and, and Alex Shelley. It's on IWTV. You can use the, the code Fight Talk to uh, help out Steven Jensen with with that say so, yeah, I'm, I'm getting it i'm getting your plugs in for you well and, and also keep keep this in mind i am a little biased when it comes to these shows because i i so invested like especially in companies like southern underground pro action and sci because they're all sister promotions of each other that that share a lot of the same talent a lot of the same bookers and that kind of stuff so i went into it really 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 hyped up Someone from the outside looking in, you might watch the show and think it was good, but you're like, Steven, you're really stretched and thinking it's the best show, one of the best shows you've ever seen. Keep just keep in mind, like these, the, like these are my companies. So like I, I I go into it with high hopes. And it means even more, I think, when I say that it was as good as it was, because I go in with really high expectations. And this show blew my expectations out of the water. So like, you know, that I just want to throw that out there. Show some love to these smaller companies, man. Like there's so yeah. much good wrestling out there. And that's what we, we hope to, to do on this show. And we, we are going to show them some love. And hopefully people who watch this show will be like, all right, you know what? I'll check that out. It, get, it got the Steven Jensen stamp of approval. I will go check that out. So uh, we'll have AC Mac on next week. Again, everybody check out uh, his match with Alex Shelley. Check out his past work. Head over to IWTV. Use the code Fight Talk. Now, Jensen, we... For the creator spotlight, we have Muscle Man Malcolm. People might know him from uh, his interviews. I've, I've transcribed a lot of them. He does great work when it comes to, to interviews. And we learned a lot about Muscle Man Malcolm in this interview. We recorded this on, on Tuesday. We're going to air it now as part of our show. Jensen, are you ready to go to Muscle Man Malcolm? Jensen. Oh, sorry. This like you see how bright it's getting in this room. You see how I hold my face bright. like that. Man, I gotta put my shades on. Yeah, let's go to the interview. Here we go, everybody. Welcome back, everybody, to the spotlight, and we have our content creator spotlight, Muscle Man Malcolm. Malcolm, you are actually taking the spotlight virginity here because this is our debut episode. You're the first person in the content creator spotlight. Please go gentle on us. Definitely, definitely. I'll, I'll try. I'll try. But I'm happy to be here, man. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Uh, we, pre we appreciate you joining us, man. Uh, if you haven't, everyone, check out Muscle Man Malcolm. He is on Twitter at Malcolm Muscle. He is on YouTube at Muscle Man Malcolm on YouTube. Go check him out. He's a big-time interviewer. He's interviewed everybody from, from Nick Aldis to Chris Bay, he recently did an interview with him. Uh, Calvin Tankman, AJ Francis, Top Dalla, just did an interview with him. Malcolm is everywhere, interviewing everybody. And I gotta ask this first off, how did you get into sort of the interviewing game in wrestling? Yeah, um, I mean, honestly, I've been doing wrestling YouTube in general, just making content since like 2012. But I feel like I'm really big into like watching like documentaries and just like learn about wrestling, right? So like, um, and like it's 2022. Like honestly, like this is like the social media age of professional wrestling. So like every AEW guy has a freaking vlog right now. Like there's so many people that are like just showing their lives out on social media that like and just be able to have the opportunity to learn more about people, learn more about their story, where they come from, etc. It's always interests me. So just um, with that in mind, like interviewing these guys and just getting to know them as wrestlers, as people, has always been something that's been uh, pretty cool to me. So just having the opportunity to talk to these guys, I luckily made friends with a. Uh, uh, Lance on Hawaii when I was a lot younger I got to interview him uh, I like the process of it so it's like just keep going and see what happens so now we're here 
Jensen. You oh, you wanted to be go to me? Yeah. Yes, I, yes. I thought I thought you had a follow up, Jeremy. Jeez. I'm over here like making sure the sun the sun doesn't get in my eye. I'm sure you all can see that thing with my blinds. It's like going all over my face. Yeah, dude. Yeah, if you want, if you want to lob it over to me, like Malcolm, the main the first question I had for you is how old are you? I'm 22. I'm still okay. in college, my last semester right now. Yeah, so I, I that's what I thought. So I watched some of your interviews and uh you were mentioning college and you had mentioned in your Jeff Jarrett interview that you started watching TNA when you were around 11. So your perspective on wrestling has got to be pretty interesting for somebody who's as young as you are, but interviewing a lot of people that someone like Jeff Jarrett, for instance, you missed live, you missed his whole run up to TNA. But then of course I'm sure you've retroactively went back and watched the stuff that you missed when when you were younger or too young to even know what wrestling was. So, um, I guess how is it how has it been for you as far as like do you have to do a lot of research into the people you're interviewing or um or that kind of stuff? Nah, man, I'm I'm a big mark, so I kind of already knew half the stuff before I go into it. Um, a lot of it's mainly just like I think about just like old storylines and stuff that I've heard before, and kind of just think about like, oh, what about this as a kid caught my interest? So I now I just want to talk about like, all right, what's the detail that went behind it that maybe that led to my interest being caught when I was younger? So talking to someone like Jeff Jarrett, I mean. Uh, I've, I've watched his career. I'm a I'm big on like watching super old wrestling, like NWA, AWA type stuff. So um, hearing about Jeff Jarrett's career and watching old TNA stuff and the stuff in WCW, et cetera, um, I kind of already knew a decent amount about him. But after that, just look at the Wikipedia page, get the basic information in and like, all right, bet. I already know what to talk about. Let's just go for it. Are, are you a fan of, or know of Nardwar, the interviewer out of Canada? Yes. Yeah, I've heard of them. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'll ask that because I've noticed a part of your interview style, you seem to ask questions that are a little out of the box. Like yeah. you're, you, I think, is, is that a, is that a big thing that you think about ahead of time is like, I want to ask stuff that they're just not, not asked often. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, like I'm a small wrestling creator. So like the fact that there's so many big guys, I mean, Sean Ross Sapp, obviously Chris, uh, Denise, et cetera. Like there's so many people that are doing it very well on a very bigger platform to me that I just want to ask something like incredibly off not off-putting, but like just different that they haven't talked about before, just so it gets clipped and put somewhere else. Cause like someone's gonna obviously watch that. I'm like, all right, who's this kid? And they heard of him before. Then they find my channel. They're like, all right, he's decent at most. I might might as well subscribe to him. And that, that was kind of my question is how conscious are you of trying to get information that isn't out there already? Because when you are interviewing a lot of these people, some of them do a million interviews. And so as someone who listens to a million interviews, I hear the same stories a lot. And that's something I appreciate about you and your interviews is I will get something new from you to, to be able to run. So it seems like do, how you said you listened, it seems like to, to Sean, Denise, Chris, Anybody else you listen to, to whether it is, okay, I can take something from their style or it is, all right, I'm about to interview this person. What did they ask? So I don't repeat this. Yeah, I kind of do that. I look up a lot of different interviews and just see like, especially more recent ones. So I'm like, all right, they talked about this already. So I was thinking of like, by thinking of like a question or two that was going to be asked in that interview, I'm like, all right, maybe since they've talked about it three or four times, they won't give me that strong of an answer understandably because like how many times can you tell the same story so i mainly just like look through to see older interviews that they've done um i'll watch like the big ones obviously like sean denise chris etc uh ella jay's a great one as well um and kind of just look to see where are they talking about i'm like all right since that's already been covered most likely let's look at like some other stuff that they maybe just not missed but just didn't ask so that's kind of the the motive going into it yeah i 
I was also curious. You said that you did. You started YouTube how long ago? Uh, I started like 2012, 2013, one of those years. So how old were you around that time? Uh, I was about like 11, 11, 11. 12. That's, that's wild. So that's yeah. kind of what I was getting at is like, so me and Jeremy, we're kind of becoming old heads around here. We're, you know, in our thirties and uh, back, back when we were your age, there was no outlet for this. Even when I was in college myself, uh, shout out to Georgia Southern University, GSU. I was, uh, I had to do. MMA radio shows on college radio. Cause like YouTube was a thing, but like you couldn't make money off it. It was still really in its infancy. Yeah. And so like, I, I just wanted to say it's, it's just, it's wild here that perspective of you being that young, getting on YouTube, having an outlet. And is that, I guess a big part of the motivation too, was like the technology is there. I'm a big fan. Like, why don't I just go for this? Cause there's no barrier to entry really. Yeah, big facts. So like, like, I have like the opportunity, like a radio show at my school as well. I go to Mount St. Mary's University, but it, do, it doesn't really interest me that much because like I know what I want to talk about is either like like MMA, like you said, or professional wrestling. I know that's not like the strongest talked about thing amongst the campus. So I'm like, all right, I already have this channel. I want to talk to these people. I have a decent enough followers that maybe they might respond. I might as well just DM them and see what happens. And uh, so far, I've been hitting so far. So hopefully, you keep that train going. Now, along along with the interviews, you also just do like kind of content videos. Yeah. Uh, how much how much goes into to creating those, and how do you try to balance? Like, okay, I got an interview here, and then but I really want to do this content video because I've noticed just kind of scrolling down the page, like sometimes it'll be loaded with interviews, and then sometimes it'll just be loaded with content videos. Yeah, that's something I'm honestly still working out and just trying to figure out like, all right, what's like the best like schedule or like concept to like uploading things I want to talk about outside of just interviews and also having um, like obviously the interviews itself. Um, like right now I'm sitting on like two videos that talk about like uh, breaking um, or people that would be breakout stars in the independent scene because I do that every year and always does pretty well. Um, so it's just trying to figure I'm like, all right, if I upload this interview, then do I just throw this video up there right after or it's something I'm still working out. I'm still trying to iron out the little details of it, but um, I'm also getting into making documentaries that's coming up like later on, I think April-ish is when I should have most of them completed. So it's kind of like mixing like, all right, interviews and documentaries. How do I upload them and make them make sense all at once? Because like your channel, it's like, it's like, it's a category or like a catalog of what you've done with your whole life. So it's like, it has to make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, then no one's going to watch that many videos. Like I don't want someone just to watch one or two. I want them to watch like, 10 or 12. So it's kind of just something that got like still iron out. I'm still working on that. When, when you're doing your videos, is is it all you? Are you doing the interviewing, the recording, the video editing, all that stuff all yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's all me right now. I mean, I'd love to hire an editor at some point, but until then, I'm going to do it all. Well, the, the reason I ask is because I think that's that's something that I just think is really valuable in really any industry, especially with like all the all the different digital stuff you can do now. Like that's something that made me valuable to Fightful, for instance, like years back was that I knew how to run OBS when there was no Streamlabs, how I knew how to video edit, like be being diverse and just kind of a, a wide range of things. So that kind of when your number gets called, you go, Hey, I don't even really do a whole lot of video editing, but I know how to, and they need a video editor. So I'm going to do that. Like they need someone to interview at these events to so go backstage, talk to wrestlers. Like I've done some interviews on my podcast, I've got some experience. I'll do that. Is that part of it too? Just like learn as much as you can so you can kind of do whatever you need to. 
Yeah. So like I'm a communication major. So like the big goal in that major for like what a lot of people don't understand, like some people get so like dead set in like one concentration that they have. Like mine's broadcast journalism. Obviously, with all the interviews, it kind of makes sense. But like I also want to like venture out into like understanding editing, understanding web design, et cetera. Like this semester I'm taking a web design class because I know I'm help um I don't want to say the name the guy's name right now, but I'm building a website for a guy right now. So I'm like, all right let me keep learning and actually like go to class for this stuff as well to actually make sure what I'm doing is correct. So I like having the idea and having the, the skill set, I guess the word I'm looking for to be able to do every little thing to some level of greatness um, is important because you never know, like if YouTube doesn't work out for me, it's like just being a content creator. I'm like, all right, well, I'm a decent editor. I can go edit for whatever company out there that needs it. So um, I even did like a whole internship last semester where I was like a video editor at a, a company not too far away from the school. So it's just like having, if you're a YouTuber, you got to make sure you know, like everything across the board. So like, you never know if something doesn't work out, you can do something different and still make a name for yourself. What is your sort of overall aspirations? I know, I know you've been to, to some shows. I saw you do the, the DPW interviews, yeah. shout out to those guys. Like what, what is your overall aspirations when it comes to whether it is now video editing or, or interviewing or other? Yeah. Uh, two things. So I'm trying to be a pro wrestler right now. So obviously, you know, we got big goals in that. Um, and the goal in that and goal for interview, if they both fly in the same thing, hopefully someone from them is watching this right now. I want to go to the NWA badly. So badly, so freaking badly. Um, if Billy, you're watching. Hi, nice to meet you. Muscle Man Mountain, greatest wrestling team of all time. Um, I want to be an interviewer for the NWA. I want to wrestle for the NWA. I want the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Don't forget the S in the world to support it. It's the most important part of that name of the title. Um, that's the goal. I want to be a wrestler. I want to wrestle for NWA. I want to be an interviewer. I want to interview for NWA. I love the NWA. I might be wearing an AEW shirt, but I love me the National Wrestling Alliance. So you sold yourself out. No one can see the shirt. They, they you could have just said you were wearing an in, in, NWA shirt. Uh, where are you training? At? Yeah, it's NWA. <laughs> where are you training at? Where am I training? So yeah. I split my time um, right now because of COVID. I kind of took some time off. I'm going to go back soon at uh, MCW Pro Wrestling. That's where Leo Rush went to. Um, also, I train at a smaller company that's kind of making the name known in the DMV area. Uh, DMV is DC, Maryland, Virginia. Uh, it's called C3W. Um, right now, their champion is Victor Benjamin. He's married to Lady Frost. And also, uh, Cody Hall, Scott Hall's son, is actually wrestling there. So I actually have an interview with him coming out pretty soon so people can figure out, like, oh, I haven't seen Cody Hall in a year and a half. What's he up to? So uh, talk to him. He's doing well. And it should be coming up next week, probably. You know, it, so slide that in my DM so I can get the uh, get the scoops on that one, Malcolm. There you go. I, I, so I, I have to ask you, especially now that you're talking about wrestling, and I was going to ask you this anyway, so it was kind of a good time to bring it up. And I don't mean this as any sort of offense. This is just a question because I've seen you on camera. What is your size and weight? Like, how tall are you and, and how – because you, you're – like, I saw your interview with Calvin Tateman, and Calvin Tateman's a big dude, and, like, you're <laughs> at least as big as Calvin Tateman, like, like yeah. size-wise, like – uh, that's what I noticed. I was like, dude, this is a, this is, Malcolm's a big dude. Yeah. The, the name, the name is real, man. Um, so I'm, I'm six foot, um, maybe five eleven. I'm going to say six foot. Um, but I weigh like, it fluctuates. I mean, I know one point I was 280. I know one point I was 320. I'm, I'm ranging in between 270 and 330. Somewhere in the middle. I'm always ranging right there. I'm a powerlifter, by the way. So uh, the name also, man, Malcolm's not ego trip because some people think it is. Um, I actually got it from John Cena when I was 14. I went to an autograph signing and he was there, obviously, because that's why I was there. And um, 
I gave him like a workout glove that I had because he was the reason I started working out. It was sweet little moment, blah, blah, blah. And he signs it and he says in his deep John Cena voice, like, go, muscle man, Malcolm. And then signs it. I'm like, I like that. I'm going to use it. So it literally just be, it came from John Cena making a stupid joke that I thought was incredible and I want to make money off of it. <laughs> Dude, that's the best. You got you legitimately got your nickname from John Cena. Like, and you have a talking point forever. Like, you can always oh, yeah. tell that. You can always tell that story. Like, that's that's great. So yeah, yeah. I I I, I knew you through Twitter. I had seen the name and everything. But yeah. yeah, when I saw you on camera, I was like, this. Oh this no. Like, I, I, so it wasn't surprising. It wasn't surprising to hear like you're what 22. Yeah. So 22 years old, big dude, lifts weights, wants to train, yeah. wants to interview. So I mean. It's inevitable you'll be doing something in pro wrestling. I mean, it sounds like you're literally putting out the biggest net possible. You can wrestle, you can interview, you can edit, you can do whatever. Like you just yeah. want to be a part of the business. Yeah, no, I actually, I really do powerlifting. Like I actually compete. Like I'm, an, um, at one point I was nationally ranked. I know I kind of fell off a little bit from that exact ranking, but, but I'll be back up there real soon. Of uh, the goal, I'll put it out here right now as well. I want to break Mark Henry's record. His deadlift record is 850. That ain't nothing. And okay. All right. Okay. That's my dad. I love me some Mark Henry, but I got to break it. Um, right now, I'm not too far away from it. I have to break it before I turn 25 and 22. I got time in the bank. I'm money in the bank, and I'm pretty sure I can break it. So soon enough, Mark Henry's going to have to slide in my DM. He's like, hey, man, didn't know you were that strong. Jeez. Like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's, it's funny you, you bring that up. So, like, Back when I was in high school, and I've, I've heard, I, I tell this a lot, but this is relevant to this this particular story. Yeah. Well, I, I went to high school with Cody Rhodes. We were on the same high school wrestling team. And, and the reason I bring this up is because I've heard Xavier Woods tell this story because I got to see Austin Creed, Xavier Woods versus Cody Rhodes in high school before either of them were on television doing pro wrestling. They were both highly ranked amateur wrestlers in, in high school wrestling in Georgia in the Atlanta area that, that I'm from. And I remember Xavier saying he wrestled up multiple weight classes to wrestle Cody and his whole mindset was, I know Dusty Rhodes is going to be there. And if I can beat Cody, Dusty's going to have to call the WWE and go, Hey, there's someone who can beat my son and he wants to be a wrestler. So it's kind of like, if you can beat Mark Henry's record, he's going to have to make the call and go, yo, this is the kid who beat my record. We got to get him in here. That's the goal. I even got your company shirt on, Mark. I mean, I, <laughs> I to go there. Yeah, no, that, that's the big goal. I mean, and also to break Mark Henry's record, I'd also be breaking Big E's record as well. So I'm just saying, like, love them both. Y'all like family to me. Mark Henry, you don't know me yet, but I am your son, I promise. <laughs> I can break both your records. And it's going to be cool. It's going to be fun. We'll shake hands. We'll take some pictures and stuff. That little Triple H pose is going to be sick. <laughs> Malcolm, what's been last one here? What's been your your favorite interview that you've done? That's so hard. Um, honestly, I haven't. I've only. I'm not gonna say names. I've only had like one bad experience ever, and it really wasn't even that bad. Um, I've honestly loved talking to every single wrestler I've ever talked to because like have these guys I like grew up watching. So I'm like, yo, this is like sick, but I gotta like stay friendly so they don't think I'm weird. But like also just watch these guys on Independence absolutely kill it. Um, I'll drop a, like a few names just because I like most of these people so much. Uh, Nick Aldis, obviously, I've interviewed him like five times. That's my guy. Uh, Leo Rush, big fan. He's from my area. To see him do what he's doing now is absolutely incredible. Um, Sepapa, too, Solo Sakai, I'm a big fan. He's honestly probably been one of my biggest interviews so far, if not the biggest right now. So to, it was like his last one before he went to NXT. So to see what he's doing right now, love him. Love seeing what he's doing. And then the last one, 
I'll go with Darius Lockhart. Love Darius Lockhart. Dude is up next. He is so good. Uh, also up next, Lucky Ali's from the North Carolina area. Super talented guy. Um, all these guys are super incredible. Um, throw in one last name there as well. Mr. Grimm, Hitman for Hire, one of the best independent wrestlers on the scene right now. Highly underrated. Biggest, best big man in the business right now. AEW, NWA, 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 NWA. Pick him up. The dude is solid and he deserves the whole world. I'll let everyone know one, one more time where they can find you at. Definitely. So you can find me on Twitter right up here or here. Uh, Malcolm Muscle. Uh, I tweet a lot of stupid stuff. I like wrestling. You like wrestling. So we might as well be friends. Um, I like I'm on Instagram, the muscle man Mal. Sometimes I post workout stuff. You will be embarrassed because you can't lift as much as me. And that's okay. <laughs> you can get up there too one day. Um, I also post pictures of a lot of wrestlers. You'll like it there as well. Uh, then YouTube, muscle man Malcolm. I post all these interviews, all this wrestling content. The Royal Rumble's coming soon. I'm going to be doing some reactions to that. Uh, hear me scream when I see Mojo Rowley return. It's going to be great. <laughs> Guys, we appreciate everybody listening. We'll be back in just a second. Malcolm, thank you again for taking taking the time out with us today. You can follow him at Malcolm Muscle on Twitter. Follow him on YouTube at Muscle Man Malcolm. All the links will be in the, the bio, the description below. Malcolm, again, thank you. We'll be back in just want to thank Malcolm for joining us. Uh, we recorded that on Tuesday. First guest on the Creator Spotlight here on the Spotlight. That was a fun interview, Stephen. It was great, dude. Really happy we're doing uh, <clears throat> we're doing these uh, these kind of spotlights for creators on this show. I think that's awesome. Yeah, and when when we say creators, as, as we've learned, it's not just uh, creators as far as wrestling media. It is creators in the ring. As AC Mac will be joining us next week, so. I'm looking forward to, to talking to different people, getting to know people. Hopefully everyone goes and checks out their work. Um, yeah, I, Steven, I appreciate you, you doing this. We're going to we're gonna be back next week. We're going to be back the week after and the week after and the week after. And Steven, let everyone know where they can find you at. Well, first of all, thank you very much for everyone who's joined us today, everyone in the chat. We know this is something a little different than the distraction was, and we hope that you come along with the ride with us because this is going to be a great show, and I, I'm just super, super excited. And thank you again, Jeremy, for inviting me to do this with you. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at FightTalk underscore, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. You can use my code FightTalk, all as one word, no spaces, on independentwrestling.tv or iwtv.live. Same way to get to... Two different ways to get to the same spot. Just use my promo code. That helps me out a lot. Tonight on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming, myself and Joel Pearl are there every single Thursday. So that'll be kind of the new Thursday tradition. will be me and Jeremy here in the afternoon. And then nighttime, you can game with myself and Joel Pearl. Um, Joel, if you're still in here, I apologize. I still do not have my capture card here with me, but I do plan to have that next week, but we can still play Mario Kart or play N64 or something. We'll have, we'll have a good time playing video games tonight. Um, but you'll probably only see Joel's screen tonight still, but we, that's a work in progress. I'm getting a capture card. It will be here by next Thursday. I promise you all. So I can display my gameplay footage as well. Um, you can listen to the fightful select weekend or podcast. That's every Sunday as a part of the fightful select $5 tier subscription service. You get my show, you get Alice Pulaski's Sour Graps, you get extra content from Sean Ross Sapp and Jim, Jimmy Van, you get uh, Rob and Maggie, you get a lot of stuff over there at Fightful Select now. And of course, like I mentioned, Sean Ross Sapp, I mean, the man when it comes oh, to- don't to, boost it. We, gotta, we can't boost this man's ego anymore. I'm, go, I'm gonna boost it because my thing is this, even if you're listening, if, even if you get Fightful Select just for Sean's news, which I think is worth it alone right there, like 
you were in the loop on all the biggest breaking news in all of wrestling for that same price included with that news, you get all of these podcasts every week too. So like you get so much for your money over there. Subscribe to FightfulSelect.com, the most direct way to support us over here at Fightful. Um, I do a show on Thursdays, uh, sorry, a show on Tuesdays, and I do stuff with Jesse Davin, stuff with Doug Bateman, a whole bunch of stuff throughout the week. Fightful Fight Night. I keep it all updated on my Twitter, so just follow me there. I post links when I'm going live, and I'd be happy to see more of y'all and more of the stuff that I'm doing. And once again, thank you very much, Jeremy, and thank you very much to everybody who watched today. Uh, you mentioned Rob and Maggie coexisting. That is actually now going to be on the Fightful Overbooked channel. So youtube.com slash Fightful Overbooked. And I see our guy SV3 in the chat. SV3 and I have a show on the Fightful Overbooked channel every other Friday called uh, FMC. Stands for Friday Morning Coffee or Fuck Matt Cardona or anything you want FMC to stand for. It is a lot of non-wrestling chatter that SV3 and I do that. And then right after he finishes with me, he jumps on with uh, Jensen for Degrassi Dudes. Uh, which is on both their Twitters and the, the True Heel Heat Twitch as well. So a lot of a lot of stuff going on. We're we're always busy here at Fightful, but you can go to youtube.com slash Fightful Overbook. Check out all the, the new shows we got going on over there. Uh, Jensen mentioned it, twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. Um, they, they are always playing Mario Kart on Thursdays. Joel and I will play SmackDown vs. Raw. We have Portal 2 that Joel and I started last week that we'll be playing tomorrow. I have a new series with Cass. Uh, Cassidy Haynes for Body Slam that will start next week and I will announce more details on that when we finalize everything but that'll be on the Twitch Uh, so we'll be playing something I know what it is but I don't want to announce it just yet but Cass and I will be doing something over there guys no shortage of content anywhere we appreciate everybody hanging out with us for uh, these two hours here on the debut episode of the Spotlight I hope that everyone has a good weekend check out the Royal Rumble check out the Twitch watch along with the Royal Rumble um, and check out the post show here on youtube.com slash fightful with myself and Jared Bailey as we'll talk to y'all next week. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently to the untrained ear. Everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.